And we're live. Rory. <laughs> I ask every guest when they come over to the house, do they want tea or coffee before we come out of the tunnel and uh, and start the recording? And you picked tea and I made you tea and we came out and we sat down. And we weren't sitting down here two seconds and you started talking about fluoride in the tea and in the water. <laughs> and I just went, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, we'll keep it for the recording. So where where was that train of thought going? Or, you know, if you can pick up from, from where you were. Well, I suppose it's, um, we're jumping in at the deep end now, is right. Um, I suppose it was, I'm a walking bag of contradictions. That's why what I was kind of saying to you. you know? okay. Because here I am drinking a cup of tea. Like, I wasn't, I wouldn't take the coffee because it seems to give me palpitations. I try to keep away from coffee, although I do love it. But uh, being an Irishman, I'm a bit fond of the tea. But knowing what I know about the tea and what I've got involved in myself over the last, well, few years, but officially few months um it's a bit of a contradiction because fluoride is harmful for us you know and we are the only nation in ireland that has fluoridated water the right? only nation in the world yeah, yeah. well no in, in in europe sorry sorry okay. like i think america some states and that have it some don't like in ireland now in cork they've started to try and get it out there's councils that have actually stopped the fluoridation of the water because of the findings that have been made you know but um, this guy called Declan Walk, he's a pretty cool man, but he's devoted an awful lot of time to researching and using, like, he's 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 an academic of sorts. I can't remember what he is, physicist or, I can't remember. Chemist, maybe, or whatever. Uh, yeah, he is, yeah, he's yeah. something something he's important, quali- he's anyway. Quali- he's qualified, qualified yeah. yeah. So he's wrote a few um, submissions, he's wrote a few articles, theses, and he's proven that the fluoride is causing all sorts of harm to people who are exposed to it on the mat, on a big, on a extensive level continuously you know but as well the thing that really surprised me about it in his studies was that it naturally occurs in tea you know and so ireland we're, we love our tea you know we're, we're fairly fond of a cup of tea everton is over a cup of tea and scone or something like that you know so so we were very exposed to this neurotoxin and it is classified as a neurotoxin you know so we're getting double doses of it between it being in the water and then it being in our teeth yeah Com- almost a compounding yeah. effect yeah like even if you were to look anybody was to look at the back of their toothpaste like it's it's in toothpaste it was put in our water because it's supposed to be good for our teeth you know now, it could be good for our teeth but it's bad for other things you know so so I don't know where it weighs out or where they made the decision but um but it is, that is the case. We have the fluoride in the water. Um, like um, dental fluorosis, they say, can be caused by fluoride. So there's also other complications that can arise from having overexposure to fluoride for your teeth, you know, even though it's ironic enough because it was put in for the reason to protect our teeth. But um, but Declan has made a submission basically now and he got a load of signatures. And I, I'm delighted to have my name down on it, but it turned out... He got hundreds and hundreds of signatures in the end, but he got people like Christy Moore and Declan O'Rourke and Damien Dempsey. I think he might have got um, Jordan, the film director, um, Irish film director, playwrights, Liam Neeson, some big names. Very all influential people. Very influential people. So he's after managing, with the information he's garnered and with the studies he's published, he's managed to convince people there's definitely something worth considering here. And, and then when you look at the sicknesses that can arise from overexposure to fluoride, those sicknesses per capita in Ireland are higher than any other nation in Europe. So the coincidence there only is our exposure to fluoride, you know? So that submission has gone forward now. I don't know what's happening with it. I'm very proud to have my name on it. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. But that's what the whole tea thing came from because he 
came up with the conclusion that it naturally occurs in tea. So that combined with it in your water supply can't be a good thing, you know. So it's it's classified as a neurotoxin. Like it's officially it's same as aluminium or mercury. It's it's classified as a neurotoxin. If you look at the back of your toothpaste packets, it says contains so many point milligrams parts per million yeah. of fluoride, and it also says if fluoride is ingested from any other source, contact contact your doctor. You know. So everybody in Ireland who brushes their teeth basically needs to be contacting their doctor or, every or day. Or drinks the water out of the tap. Or drinks the water out of the tap. But it, it's not, like it's been proven, it's not just drinking it. Like you can get it from even having showers and stuff. You get exposure to it. But there's there's ways of flushing yourself out. Just keeping fluids in the, you know, a lot of vitamin D, which is something we don't get too much of here as well. But there's ways of countering it, you know. And what, is the, what, what are the symptoms or the end? What's the end cause? Because, you know... What what are we what are we suffering from? If it is a neurotoxin, I mean, is there something? That yeah, well, neurological disorders. You know, they're at a higher rate here. The likes of um, I think they've proven that like uh, arthritis and build up of calcium in bones and joints and stuff like that can be contributed towards. Now, these are all points that are being argued by academics. You know. Yes. And like I've seen them all. It's something that interested me because, well, probably. A big starting point. I'd be I'd be classified, I suppose, as your your typical conspiracy theorist. You know, yes. You know, so that that's the type of person I'd be looked at. So these are the kind of things that are all within them categories. And everybody who starts questioning the world we're living in, if there's something more to it, they'll nearly all come across the fluoride story. You know, but then everybody who thinks that everybody who's talking about these things and that all these topics are just wacky conspiracy theory stuff. They kind of just discount fluoride because it's associated with the conspiracy theorists and they don't really look more into it, you know? So when people like Declan Walk come along who have credentials and he can speak well for himself, when he comes along and does stuff like this, then it has weight, you know? And then when you get the signatures and the people behind that, as you were saying before we come on air, society is us, you know? So once people in power kind of get together and stand up for something, you will get what you want, you know? But it's very hard to get that unity on anything, you know? Usually when you try and either implement something or remove something, there's a pushback from a vested interest. Yeah, of course, yeah. And in the case of fluoride, is there an obvious vested interest? I mean, is there a, a huge big fluoride manufacturer, you know, that... No, there doesn't seem to be. Like, I remember when the topic the topic was brought up a couple of times over the last few years, you know, I think Sinn Féin might have proposed it um, at some stage. And I definitely remember a couple of years back Pat Kenny on News Talk, maybe could have been RTE before his News Talk days, but on News Talk he had someone on to speak about it. But he had a a dentist on, you know, someone that was in that field, and they, they stated categorically that they kind of mocked the whole concept that fluoride could be altering people's ability to use their critical thought, you know, that it's it's calcifying the pineal gland and all these kind of things, you know, which it has been proven to to do, like like that the studies prove it, you know, so. So it's um there's always kind of some pushback, but it's not it's not as obvious I suppose as like the tobacco industry pushing back or the meat industry pushing back or yeah, the dairy the against or farmer Yeah, or, yeah, know, because there's so much money in it and you can see a massive industry in that. But like I don't I can't understand why. Like the, the conspiracy theory behind it is that it was used by Stalin and Hitler. And and historical documentation seems to prove that, you know. 
But you have to take everything you see online with a pinch of salt, you know. To, even to, if it to is, what end? Sorry, sorry to cut across you, but in relation to Hitler and Stalin, using well, that it, to they, what end? That, in the concentration camps that they introduced fluoride into the water supply to make to make the the inmates more docile, basically less less likely to put up a fight. So right. that was Pre- so, again, presumably in a lot higher doses dosages than you'd imagine so you'd imagine so yeah like it's um it's something now thank thank god for Declan Walk and people like him it's something now and even like the the Lancet the medical journal like well known all over the world they classified it as a neurotoxin I think four or five years ago you know officially so it is a neurotoxin and so we don't want that but then people say it's only tiny parts per million you know, so it's not going to do you any harm, but constant exposure to it over and over again, you know. Oh yeah, over, over time as well, more to the point. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you can wax lyrical about minute amounts not having an, any effect of you, but if there were, if they were all of a sudden putting a very minute amount of lead in the water, yeah, you'd be fucking up in arms about it. Yeah, exactly, but yeah. What's puzzling me about the whole story is, I suppose the idea that it would be essentially just a... A way of saving the state money, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's a waste of sorts, and someone's going to have to dispose of it. So, like, you wonder, is it just a handy way of disposing of this stuff, if it is, if it has been stated by some corners of academia to be good for your teeth, you know? And worldwide, is there any, like, this doctor that you mentioned, or the the, the movement, say, that the anti-fluoride movement, if you can yeah. call it that, have they made any case that Ireland, Irish people's teeth aren't any in any better condition than you know the yeah, rest well, of the world that isn't I have using heard, it. So you know you hear different what's the pros given for for it being there like chlorine granted it kills bacteria or whatever else yeah yeah but it's funny because he mentioned chlorine there my young fella he's in secondary school and they were at home doing chemistry like parts of the science uh what curriculum whatever homework he had and they were writing out like the terminology for chlorine and oxygen and nitrogen and stuff like this you know in their ch2 forms and whatever it is you know and um like it was given a rundown of it and the chlorine when i said about the chlorine the chlorine is used in everyday um life in a lot of places you know we use it continuously but it is a poison you know at the same time but we use it every day you know and, and i know it's in a small parts but like all of these different things you know you go swimming it sometimes the smell it taste of chlorine in some swimming pools is is ridiculous, you know. Oh, sure. But like, like we literally we we take it for granted now that you have to have goggles when you get into a pool because the chemicals the in the water sting you so badly, and we've grown up with that, and it's been there for so long that we never really question, yeah, the validity of that. Like, surely there's a better way of purifying the water than pouring it with chemicals that burn the eyeballs out of your head. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think about it, it right. just does seem crazy, you know. There's so much of this stuff, and like as I said, I'd be a walking contradiction of myself because. Like, I I have bad habits. I don't eat great sometimes. I smoke. I drink occasionally, very occasionally. Yeah, but I, w- I wouldn't class that as hypocritical because, I, like, I'm I'm in favour of, you know, reducing my carbon footprint and, you know, fighting the uh, fighting global warming generally. Yeah. But I still drive everywhere. Do you yeah. know what kind of way? So, yeah. like, I wouldn't consider myself a hypocrite f- because of that. So Yeah. Like, I think more so when you have kids, these type of things... Like, I feel like I've been guzzling from the tap water in my life. I'm not dead, you know? Yeah. But, like, then again, I wasn't a big fan of water. But at school, the kids are all... You'd be going to school with your drum of water from the tap and mixed with dilutable 
whatever dilutables Black currant or orange yeah, or something yeah. like that. And then there's yeah. other chemicals now, like aspartame as well. No, like if you go to any of the good health shops and get protein bars, you'll have listings now where it says free from aspartame, free from aspartame. Like that's another kind of chemical that has that studies have proven that has that's not too harmful. So like I'd be thinking, my kids going to school, it could be get most kids going to school are getting the tap water with these dilutable drinks with aspartame and all these things that have potential harmful effects to somebody if they're having a strong immune system, you know? So, like, you look at all these things and you're trying to figure out what's safe and what's not, and sure, you're bombarded from all angles with chemicals, whether it's pollutants, as you're saying, you worry about the global warming. Like, the carbon footprint thing, not to venture too far off line. No, go, the whole nature of these conversations I know, yeah, but like, like, the carbon thing, like, there's an argument, like, like, carbon is the building block of life, you know? Yes, it certainly and, is. And biological like, life, so. Yeah, yeah. And biological life relies on a certain amount of carbon within the atmosphere for life to thrive, you know? So, like, global warming can be debated. Some people can say it's a cyclical thing that's happening. Some people can say it is It is definitely happening right now um, because of all the emissions we're causing with planes and cars and guzzling, gas guzzling machines and stuff. But there is an argument to say that carbon is very important. So, like, we're spending, we're, we're so extensively trying our best to limit carbon emissions, which is kind of cool. Now, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm trying not to completely sound like a, a Donald Trump head here or something like that, you know, let all the gas guzzlers free. But it, I just watched the, all these mad weather patterns over the last few years. And, like, we can see in our lifetime, we don't know what happened before and before. We have to look at records and that. So in our lifetime, looking at our grandparents and our mother and fathers, weather has seemed to change, you know, especially in these really extreme climates. It seems to be getting extreme and acting erratically the whole time. So the weather now or the climate? Well, the weather, the weather, the climate. The, the inter, you, would inter- you know the, 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 what would differentiate weather from climate, say? Because you're, the weather can change, like especially in Ireland, you could have the four seasons in the one day. Yeah, but climate not so much. Like we, in Ireland, say we live in in a temperate climate. And oh it was yeah, a temperate climate yeah. five hundred years ago and a thousand years ago. Do, do you know that kind of way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's never been like this, uh, like Australia. It's just hot all year round. Is that yes, what you mean? Not, yeah. not in Ireland. Not yeah. not unless you go back to like you know eons. You're talking millions of years. Maybe it was a desert. 10, 10 million years ago or whatever I don't know but yeah. over over enormous uh, stretches of time things do change like there's massive coal deposits in uh, the Arctic say and yeah. that's because once upon a time the Arctic was a tropical rainforest mm. but, but again that wasn't a couple of hundred years ago that could have been a couple of hundred million years ago yeah yeah um, so weather would be something that can change on an hourly basis especially here but climate, you know, not so much. Yeah, and that's when you're talking about the degree change. That's that's basically when you're going to that level. The global climate has dropped by one, two percent. Could be colossal. They say like ice caps will melt and yes. all these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the, the the worrying aspect of it all. Like like I don't know. I've just seen arguments stating the importance of carbon, and I see us um, basically taking it out of the environment as much as we possibly can. Well, and well, I see well, in tangent with that, I see all these weather pattern changes, you know, mm. and I see these extreme like um like you have like the tornado season is the same as always is, but um but like you see some places being devastated by floods and and bushfires and things like that that have never happened before, you know. Well, in our a, lifetime, that's attributed you know? to global warming. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they say, but see, there's another place. I'm nearly afraid to venture where I'm going to venture. Go for it. I'm, but um, but like, there's. Don't, don't, I, I'm going to ask you who who they are. When you say they, that's what they say. 
Um, or do you meet, or could you have just as easily have said that's what's said? Well, no, there or was like, there see, the, the awkward thing, like, there's, there's like, people will argue against climatologists. They said they're like a new breed of people. And it's kind of in their interest to validate the whole global warming theory because that gives them purpose and meaning and it gives them a platform to work from. Well, if you're a climate change expert, you yeah. don't want climate change to be to, debunked. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's the way it is, you know. So it's like everything. These avenues open, jobs and livelihoods become dependent on them. So people will fight tooth and nail to protect that you know like you see like what happens with graham hancock and him trying to challenge the egyptologists you know like they've dedicated their entire lives to this belief system and that was that their career was based on and then to have these guys coming along and coming up with really logical alternative explanations for some of these things and these lads are like just it's pride it's it's the importance of keeping their job intact and stuff like that as well but there's an argument that the climatologists can be could be in the same league and then what worries me you see I always look I always kind of look to see there'll be a problem reaction solution kind of thing you know there's a sequence to everything all through the ages like there's there seems to be a problem comes about there's a reaction that comes from the people in mass and then there's a solution usually already ready to be provided by the ruling class so to speak you know so as a true conspiratorial headbanger, I always, <laughs> I always look ahead and see uh, qui bono, like who, who does this, who does it suit? So, when it comes to the global warming thing, I was completely like, look what's happening: ice caps are melting, polar bears are getting real skinny, and all these real emotive images are thrown up to us. So, so anybody who's kind of feels liberal, truly liberal, you know, and that there should be fairness and we shouldn't destroy the environment and I feel like my green finger is very I'm very aware of it mm. I still look beyond and see what's how are they going to counter this so what are they offering us so you look now like like this August or this September there's this insane scientist called David Keith and he's um he's insane you know he's he's crackers but he has the patent for this new approach to weather modification so it's basically geoengineering so they basically he's going to pump up Tucson Arizona I think it's going to be done so this is the first official 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 to let everybody know attempt to alter the weather and it's been something that they have been doing like President Lyndon B. Johnson when was he president sure like he he done a he done a speech way back when you can get it online to like a college graduate graduate somewhere in Massachusetts I think and he spoke to them about how they've figured out there's a new scientific way that they can actually modify the weather, you know, and they could use, rather than going in and having wars in countries, they could cause droughts, they could do things like this by changing the weather patterns, you know? Yeah, yeah, I've heard so, of this kind of talk, yeah. Like, like so it, it's something that is historically documented. And if they were doing it back in Lyndon B. Johnson's time, just imagine how sophisticated the whole setup is now, you know? And fast forward now to September this year, 2018, the first official in our generation, in our time being like the first official display of this weather modification is going to be attempted. And he's going to let it balloon up into the air. The balloon is going to go up into the higher atmosphere. It's going to burst or they're going to penetrate it in some way, shape or form. And all these nanoparticulates and it's either sulfur dioxide or sulfuric acid, something crazy anyway. Yeah, yeah some- so It's what the planes actually dump in the sky. And this David Keat fella himself, he was on the Letterman show and he was on Panorama. I seen him last year and the year before and I was looking at him going, 
this man is is Lula, you know, but he's really intelligent, scientific Lula. And he's the patent for this thing now. So he has a vested interest to push this new industry where they can block out the sun. So their plan is because of global warming and because of this massive threat to us, they're going to make start blocking the sun out to reflect the heat away from the earth so that they can reverse this process of global warming that we've caused, you know. So in tandem with that, you look at like the UN has like, they have agendas, they set agendas for every 10, 15 years. This is what they hope the world is going to be like in 10, 15 years. So like they had the 2030 plan, um, it's it's to interlink basically all this new smart system we have. So the smart system is coming on board, we're introducing smart meters, smart TVs, fridges, the whole lot. So the intention is to cut out a loss of energy from houses. So if you're building a house now, they're all graded here in Ireland, A, B, C, D. Yeah, if you yeah. don't have triple glazed windows, you're going to be penalised and you'll be paying higher taxes and stuff like that. So, yeah. so they're trying to promote the use of renewable energies and a lack of loss of heating from your house and stuff like that. So like, like, in, like they want eventually that you have no actual vents in your house, that you'll have an electric vent that will open at times itself, linked into the electrical system and will let some air into the house. You yeah, know? like a heat recovery system of sorts. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like that. You know, I don't like that. I, I kind of want to go back to the Stone Age and leave, live in a cave, to be honest with you, sometimes. but Where you can't access the information that yeah, you've well, got. Yeah, well, like, I want my house point. to be private, you know. I want my life to be private. I don't like leaving these cookies everywhere. I don't like every time I use my bank card or every time I Google something, it's all linked to my IP address. So everything is catalogued. And it's not that anybody's watching me or anybody I'm of importance to anyone but I just I think my life should be private and I think I should have be able to do that so when I see this agenda that's being pushed out off the back of global warming and then convenience of having a smart house and having these hive systems it's very convenient they're pretty cool now there's no doubt about that but they intend to blame us for global warming me and you not the big industries that are fucking chucking out all this desperate fumes and pollutants the whole time they basically they're going to blame us for it because we're the ones that are basically using too much energy. We're being wasteful. So eventually they want us to all have houses that will be smart enough to detect how much things are being used, dishwashers, washing machines, all that stuff. That will all go through a smart system which sends out signals to the to the base every 10, 15 seconds or something like that. It's constantly updating the data. It's constantly updating the data, how many units are being used, but if you, say, leave a house and you leave a light on unnecessarily, you know, and you're gone for two hours, the house will detect that you are wasteful with your energy and it'll will it'll log that into a system. You'll be penalised in some way, shape or form for being wasteful. And then, because it'll probably be a digital currency of some sort, there'll be no cash, it'll just basically come out via revenue, via your digital account, that, whatever it is. That's a, that's a pessimistic way of looking at it, though. Yeah, I know. Because... I, because yeah. The flip side of that is that exact same scenario, only instead of you being billed for your waste of energy, yeah. something automatically switches the light off and you don't end up with chairs in the ESP, as my dad yeah. used to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. leaving your lights on. Yeah. And like that would, that is, see, that's the thing about, at times I can seem like I'm anti-tech, you know, and I'm really not. Like there's some unbelievably important evolutions happen in the tech industry you know like there's some brilliant things happen and they can be a massive benefit to us moving forward but I don't think that we have 
I don't think that I I do believe there's a ruling class, and I do believe they have nefarious intentions. I really do, you know. Okay, well, just on on that on the ruling class and just the whole global warming thing. Yeah. Um, the carbon taxes and and restrictions on heat loss and all the regulation in relation to saving energy, like none of that really benefits big industry to say the least. No, like, I know I know myself as a as a business owner. I, I find that kind of scary. I find that as the government just meddling too much in, in my affairs. Yeah. To to a degree. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm in favour of re- reducing my carbon footprint and yeah. if I can save money in the process... But it's making it harder days. for you to make, make a few pounds, aren't it? It's not really, though, because without, without the push on renewable... Not even renewable energy, but without the push towards reducing the consumption of electricity in products, so let's say LED lighting, say... I don't mm-hmm. think LED would, lighting would have caught on, at least not to the same degree, if it wasn't for the global warming and energy crisis that we yeah, have. Yeah. And my business couldn't exist without LED lighting. Right, yeah. So with every kind of advancement and every leap in um, in our technology, you, you create <coughs> new industries as well as get rid of old industries. Yeah. And the powers that be don't want the old industries to go anywhere because the old industries is where... They have all their money. So exactly. Yeah. They're the petrol dollar and the oil. Yeah. 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 So they're they're all terror. Like they're like the, the petrol dollar. Like that industry doesn't want renewable windmills energy. and fucking wave. And it's technology. funny because at the moment you can see. I don't know if you've noticed that in the news or anything like that that they're starting to kind of um, make Saudi Arabia seem like they're becoming more westernized in their ways, you know. And they're letting women not go around there, not wear masks, and get driver's licenses and. I think they were very the first ones to, yeah, very progressive, <laughs> you know. But they're still at the same time they're still beheading people in a stadium every day, you know. Um, but but like they are starting to invest in renewables because they can see this, you know. Of course they are. Yeah. And then because they were so tyrannical in their nature, the way they cooperated with the likes of America and Israel and all that, and they've basically had they held the, the control over the world because that's what basically set the value for the petrodollar and that was what we all based our economies on you know pretty much yeah yeah the, the price of oil uh dictates the price of everything else yeah yeah and it was funny i actually read a story a while ago now this could be this could be off the mark now i don't know where <laughs> i read this i have to be very careful so that's what i was thinking coming to this is like I, I i go on mad tangents you know and like you'd um there's certain things you, you just wouldn't talk to people on a general basis about, you know? Well, I tell you what, we, we said we'd do something before we started recording, and we never did it. We never threw in our little disclaimer. Oh, yes. So this yes. might be an apt time to just dump that in yeah. there. Yeah, So how how would you frame that, say? Oh, Jesus. Uh, it, everything I say could be argued. <laughs> <laughs> it could be argued. Apart from what Declan Walker's doing. and But what I'm about to say could be argued, but there was something about, like, the Venezuelan revolution of sorts so we had Chavez and um, they had the revolution of sorts over the last it was about 10 years ago or 12 years ago where they basically were separating themselves they were based on their own economy on their oil reserves which they had vast amounts of Okay, and it was a socialist kind of movement and it was very successful now Venezuela at the moment is in turmoil but I think the people have seen past western interference into trying to make them be annoyed with their government because sanctions were coming in. But what I seen happened was that supposedly the Americans or the Israelis in some way interfered and told the Saudi Arabians to lower the price of the oil. Saudis weren't too happy about that, but they lowered it anyway because they needed to do that in order to 
feck up Venezuela's economy, which was based solely on the oil reserves, which isn't a great thing. But because the oil reserves were so vast, their economy was booming and everything was going good. They were getting free health care and they are building loads of houses. They were looking after people. But once the oil was dropped, the whole market dropped. So the value of their nation as a whole basically dropped with that. You know? yes. And so there's these funny ways that the West can interfere diplomatically, you know, by using... Like, sanctions are lethal things, you know? They can destroy, they can cripple countries, you know? And when you say the West, you mean I the mean, States? Well, the American, yeah, the United States. And, like, like I used to... I used to hold the United States in such contempt because a big eye-opener for me, um, a big, big eye-opener for me when I decided I wanted to know more about the world, you know? Like, up until my late 20s, I was just... Like, I am. I am. I'm just a typical normal Egypt, you know? Jack the lad, act the maggot the whole time. Didn't really want to know much about everything. Ignorance was bliss for me and kind of just socially adapt, was able to fit in the people, great crack, drink loads, you know. That was that was kind of, I just ticked all the boxes for years and I kind of got bored with it. And then because I had kids, I felt like like I'd have discussions with my older sister. My older sister's absolutely fantastic, you know. I'm a younger sister. My family are great. I'm, I'm very lucky. I come from a good family. We all disagree massively on things, you know. We don't have the same viewpoints on things. And Martha works, uh, she works in, she works in, banking systems she helps people um basically countries who are getting banking up to a standard of the rest of us they need to get the data loaded into the computers and be taught how to use the use the equipment and yeah. use all the programs be modernized then. yeah so she doesn't work directly for the banks it's kind of but like martha done very well she went to she went to college and i always would really look to her for advice you know and she she's a well-read really learned girl but when it came to views on the war, like watching, let's say, Troker video or an ad on telly, it set me off. Like I was saying, like, like why not being selfish? I paid to all them charities for years, to be honest with you. But like five euro can help save this little child's life. Like why are they depending on my five euro to save this little child's life? And I couldn't understand why the world, why these things happen in the world. And I'd always be questioning, questioning and without much information and without the vocabulary to maybe define what it was I was trying to say, you know. Yeah, to articulate your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, to basically. articulate my thoughts. I hadn't got the ability to, you know. So I can remember when I, I, I decided then I wanted to read and wanted to learn to be able to express myself better, I started reading a couple of books, you know. And I read a good few books in a short space of time and then I haven't read any since because I <laughs> I went through a stage where I thought, jeez, they, they rightly fucked my head up, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, like enlightenment, it's a, it's a pretty self-destructive process, you know. But um, I read, one of the first books I read was Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. And it's all about... Um, it's all about how America was created, you know, and it's it's a very very good book. It's a very hard hitting book, but it's great insight into into what happened to natives, you know. I know what we did when we went over there, and we were very greedy in our intentions, you know. And it's a very young country, you know, and I know we looked at that country, and we we basically base all Western culture upon this very young country, which was basically founded on mass genocide, you know, one of the biggest genocides in history. But um, but when I read that book, it really opened my eyes to America and made me very angry, you know. I used to think Lincoln was, like, this great lad, you know. And, like, at times in the book, it doesn't completely paint him bad, but it gives you great insight into how words on paper can work 
and how they can convince people that they have power, you know. Well, there's a great saying surrounding that, uh, history is written by the winners. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The victors are always, they're the survivors, really, and they're the yeah. ones that will write it down. Like, even look at our history here, you know. Like, I, I used to have that animosity towards the America as a whole, but now I have, I actually worry for America because I think as I go on and as I learn more about how the whole thing is working, I realize America might be might be have been set up for a fall, you know. Ever since JFK's time, it's been kind of, it's been, it's been infiltrated. There's like there's like a bad group of people that are running it, and like I think John F. Kennedy tried to warn us of it, you know, in his secret society speech. Like he he had some pretty astute things to say, and a lot of people say to try and relate him to the mafia, and that he wasn't a great fellow by any means. But you look at some of the things he said and he done. He spoke about the Federal Reserve, how they were basically manipulating the country and trying to basically enslave them in debt, you know. And he wanted to shut it down. That was one of the things he wanted to do. But um, but now when I look at it now, I, I think looking at Trump, looking at the whole facade that's going on now, Hillary and Trump, like, what a choice between two absolute, horrible, horrific people, you know. And that's what the Americans are. How many million live in America? Like... 300 plus 300 plus and yeah. you have them two people as to out, like of, out of a pool of 300 plus million people yeah, yeah that's the best and there's amazing do. people in America of course like, there is you know yeah. I mean you feel so sorry for them because they have to deal with all this corruption and like 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 every single every single senator in America is committing an act of treason once they sign the APAC treaty you know every single one of them has to sign an APAC treaty before they walk into the Senate I'm sorry what is an APAC treaty it's basically the APAC treaty is you you swear allegiance to a foreign nation and that nation is Israel and the second you get elected the second there was a great woman um, a woman uh, Christina McKinney Christina McKinney or Cynthia McKinney I think it was and she, she kind of whistleblowed in it. I think everyone else just signs the APAC treaty because they're delighted they got the gig, you know? Yeah, say nothing. They just say nothing, you know, <laughs> and they just go along with it. And they probably don't think about it because I don't think these... Like, some people that would be in my level of thinking with conspiracies and that, like, they just think everybody's bad, you know? The cops are all in on it, you know? The politicians are all in on it. Everyone's in on it. It's like this big conspiracy and everyone's a shadow man pulling strings and laughing in the background and... It's not like that. A lot of people get in there with good intentions, you know, and they actually do want to do something. But when they're in there, they can do feck all because the system controls what they do, you know. But like she says, that when she got the gig, she was literally within two hours. There was men come into the office and they says, you have to sign this APAC pledge. And she was like, and what is it? Like, And she looked into it and it was basically, she goes, I can't sign that. That's swearing allegiance to a foreign power, which is Israel. That's treasonry by default, you know. So that's the way it is in America. Like, America is controlled by this hidden hand, you know, that doesn't have America's intentions at heart, that has this little country in the Middle East they created off the Balfour Declaration, you know, and they have, they have a committing genocide ever since, you know. It's like, it's, it's a mass concentration camp, you know, and the irony of it, because that was created in order to let the Jews escape Nazis, you know, persecution themselves. So... You just see the power, the money, like I think it's four million per day gets floated into Israel from the American exchequer, you know, from all the taxpayers in America. Like there's some money goes into that country. And when you look at it and you see the destabilization that's happened all around it in the Middle East, like it's been a perfect little hunting ground to go out and cause havoc in all the neighboring countries. And I think that... America has been basically, it's been undermined. And the likes of Trump going into office, like it turns it into a reality show. 
people really and like up until Trump I was like people need to realise how much of a reality show America is how theatrical the whole political system is in the western world it really is but watching what happened with Trump now I'm starting to realise I thought Clinton was going to be the one for the job but looking at it now it seems that um, it's all just a distraction it's all just a distraction and to me personally a distraction is, is from the smart system I think the smart system is the ultimate it's the ultimate tyranny, you know? It's the ultimate tyranny. Like, you look at the likes of the old movies. Like, I actually went on a binge last week and I watched 1984 and... I've read the books, but 1984 and... George Orwell. Yeah, and um, Brazil. Did you ever see Brazil? What, sorry, a movie called Brazil? A movie called Brazil, yeah. I can't say I have, no. I don't know who directed it now, but it's very interesting. It's it's like a, a future dystopia. But it was done back in the early 80s, you know? But it's... it's Robert De Niro's in it and... I can't remember the other actor, but it's a, uh, it's very dark. It's very extreme, but like it talks about this future where like your house is basically watches you everything you do. It's kind of like nineteen eighty four as well. Like yeah, everything's yeah. there, and then you have the villains. You know, you have the Russians and the Americans, which we have today. Like we have all these depictions of this setup, which when you step back from the fiction and you kind of look at the reality we're living in, it's very similar. You know, like they need to play in our fears in order for us to. To feel like we need someone like it was Plato. I think Plato says when the tyrant has disposed of all enemies by conquest or treaty, he's always looking for some criminal or other so that people will think or some kind of adversary or, or other so that people will feel that they require a leader. You know, it yes, makes uh, sense. Another. I only spoke to this with Anthony Murphy there the other the other day. This idea of of the other yeah. people that aren't like you and are demonized basically and. And what you're saying there is we need to be led in order to fight this other. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. And that's the big problem, being led, you know? Like, that's why people said to me for years, why don't you get into politics, Coogan? And I'm like, like, who am I to lead anybody? You know, I have opinions and I'll share them and I'm not afraid to share them for fear of not being, fitting in with the status quo properly, you know? But I'm a grown, well, I'm not that grown. I wish I could grow a bit more, to be honest <laughs> with you. But I'm an I'm an adult, you know, and as as um I seen that I was just talking about that that Jordan B Pearson. I hadn't been acquainted with him until I seen what he that interview on Channel Four, and like he says, we're all just adult babies, you know. This is what we are, man babies, man not, babies. Not all of us, but yeah, a, yeah. A good, well, that's what you're saying, like a general proportion of us, you know. And like it, it really rang true to me because we kind of are, and I love having the crack. I love having the crack, and I love having the banter, you know. And we can all. Do our I don't know Seth Rogen Adam Sandler like it seems like we're very impressionable and like movies and TV and all that are really like, they can impress upon us certain ways to be and what's funny and what's not and what's popular and what's not you know when you look at the ice bucket challenge or or all these different things like what's up and all that remember yeah, you know like yeah, these things yeah, just catch on and like yeah. I used to think they were really cool but now I kind of look and I kind of go on one hand it's really cool because it proves how interconnected we can be and how quick this new internet world brings us together and gets things to grow and ferment, you know? But they all seem to be trivial, senseless, pointless things. You know, they're fun, but if we could only do the same kind of collective awakening and all unify... Yeah, to on... eradicate world poverty or yeah, homelessness you know? or yeah, fucking exactly. hell. It's not as if we're stuck for things to change. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you look at, or even this country, like, like I can't... To get into politics, you need to. I think you need to be sociopathic in some kind of a way because you need you need to feel like you can lead. You have a right to lead people. Like none of us have a right to lead anybody. We all have to lead ourselves, you know. And that's what we're kind of all on a quest for discovery. Like 
like a scene there, I had to listen to what Ivor, yourself and Ivor talked about. And I only got to listen to the first hour there this morning. I'm, I'm after figuring out how to get your podomatics to, to load up. And they're good loading up pretty good now. So I'm going to load them all up, Fran. And I'm going to be listening <laughs> to everything, you know. But listen, Ivan, it was, it was deep, you know. He's really, really, really astute. His observations and how he expresses himself and what he's experienced, you know. And like, that's what we're all, we're all on this discovery. And I think, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing as adults. I don't think we're meant to just try and find the easy life, you know. Yeah, or be, find or the be led anywhere. Or be led. We shouldn't be led anywhere. Well, like, hence the name. Off yeah, the lead. Off the lead, mean? yeah. Like That's I was going to say to you when I come in, I just keep a hold on that lead. <laughs> and every now and again, give it a yank, you know. You'll hear me. <laughs> but, um, but that's the problem, isn't it? We're all looking to be led. Like, we're all looking to Trump. Is he going to... We're all looking to Hillary, you know. Like, everyone's looking to these one... This one individual who has no... Who have no characteristics of decency in them whatsoever. Like, well, their lives have proven it, you know. Well, put it this way, even if not say Trump but let's say that the leader of America even if they were just the perfect statesman the perfect person that if yeah. you could cook them up in an oven and that they would just be the penultimate leader of men yeah how the fuck are you supposed to govern 300 million people it's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. fucking preposterous really yeah, like yeah, the, insane, the idea yeah. that you would have a guy at the top of the pile yeah that oh, yeah. know, holds that much power is, is ridiculous. And it's it's crazy to think we've came to that. You know, after all these years and years and years, you know, of supposed democracy, you'd imagine it'd become more refined, you know? Like, even the likes of, like, when we're paying our taxes now, like, none of our taxes, like, they basically don't go to the transport or education. They're, they're going to pay off a tiny bit of interest off infinite debt that we'll never pay. You know, and everything we're doing now, it's all based on government bonds every year. Like everything, we're just constantly going into more and more debt. Like you hear these conversations about the economy is on the up, you know. The economy on the up is completely false. And all we're doing is passing the book to our kids, you know. Like we've seen what happened in 2007, 2008, whenever that was. Like we've seen then, only a few years ago, that Lenin was pressurised by Trisha. That Trisha sent him the letter and... And basically warn them, if, if you don't agree to this bailout, there, there'll be no money in the banks for anyone the next day, you know. And it was on letter and it came out and it was kind of discussed for a little while for a day or two and then passed over. So, like, we have this tyranny that's the EU, I think. And anything where power is centralised, like the ECB or Federal Reserve or EU, anything like this, this is what the ruling class want this is what they need you know because if you have individual independent sovereign nations basically ascertaining their own way of enforcing policies and not that I like any policy I don't think any policy should be enforced anywhere but like if they have control over that they're all independent you can't control that you know but before a lot of those organisations that you mentioned were put in place yeah. all those sovereign independent states were fucking killing each other. Not all of them, obviously, but mm. I mean, it's not as if, you know, wars are, are a new thing. On the contrary. Yeah. I mean, Europe has been at war with itself forever. Yeah, forever, Up yeah. until, essentially, the formation of the EU. Mm. Could you not argue? Now, again, my European politics is... Yeah, well, no, exactly. I, as I was saying to you earlier, like, I'm, I have opinions on everything. I'm an expert on nothing, you know? Like, I look, I kind of verge, touch off a lot of things, a lot of things, but, like, the likes of... Like there was wars, there was wars, wars of rage long before, and and people would say that the wars have receded a bit since the EU was formed, but like I don't know, like the EU, when you think of France and Germany and England and 
these countries within the EU have kind of helped America and they've still been spreading their imperialistic kind of domain across the world, you know. So they've been assisted by their partner, which is the EU. Like the EU as a whole, as independent nations are to be able to govern themselves. Like we elect, let's say, whoever's going to be the next politician in Ireland, the Taoiseach, or it's going to be Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin are on the rise. Um, but you wouldn't know who it's going to be. Like, But depend- it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter who it's going to be. And that's why at times I wonder, like I like the romantic thought that Sinn Féin disbanded its weapons and it fought for the independence of Ireland and the struggle and it became political and bureaucratic and it beca- ends up becoming little after 100 years of the centenary, it, it becomes the leading party of the country, democratically elected, with no guns, no arms. It's a nice thought. But to me, there's something hypocritical about what the Sinn Féin people go with. And maybe they're being really smart. Maybe they are, because they're a clever group, like Jerry Adams, whatever people want to think of him, he's a very intelligent man, you know. And he'd have foresight, and they would have fought in different ways than most other politicians would have fought, you know. They literally put their lives in the line at times, you know. Whether they've done terrible things, they've done terrible things, but... We all do terrible things, maybe when we're faced with terrible things, you know, you just don't know till you're in that position. But they support the EU, you know, and they, they want to be part of the EU. So for me, if you truly want to be an independent Ireland and you want to have the control to govern your people, you know, you can't do that as a member of the EU because you have these unelected, unnamed people in most cases in Brussels who who basically enforce all the policies. And when you look at what happens when you're a member of the EU, like people blame Fianna Fáil when we, when we basically hit the wall and the big collapse came. But like at the same time in tandem, Spain and Portugal and Italy and all these other countries, Iceland, they all collapsed as well. And Fianna Fáil wasn't running them countries. So it kind of bugged me at the time. Everyone was blaming Fianna Fáil, but if Fianna Gael were in power, they would have done the fucking same thing. We blamed who was in power. Yeah, and if Sinn Féin were impaired, they probably would have done the same thing. Of course, you know? of course they would. Because they didn't know, they weren't experts, they didn't have any understanding of banking, they didn't know what was going on, so they're taking advice, just like all our government ministers now take advice from people in Brussels. And the people in Brussels who aren't elected, who we don't elect, doesn't matter if our local representative fills all the potholes and fixes all the street lights and puts up fences there on the road to keep kids safe, the locals will vote for that person on that meaning. But that person represents a party, and that party is under a whip system anyway. So realistically, that individual that's in your local, no matter what he thinks really honestly or believes, if his party says something different, he has to toe the line with that. And that party is always going to be dictated to by their hierarchy who are in Brussels. And Brussels are constantly sneaking in. Like I've seen like the the like the the likes of the transport was it the bus Aaron or the Lewis the, the train men last year they're all striking you know like uh, there's our medical system the health system is kind of falling apart people on waiting lists all this kind of stuff the education system people are giving out teachers are getting too much holidays and there are not enough teachers now to teach Spanish and all these different languages but um, but like the EU creates policies it advises all these nations and the leading parties of these countries to enforce policies because they're better for the bigger picture, you know? But when they enforce them policies, them policies subtly, but inadvertently, not inadvertently, they're, I think purposefully, but they subtly undermine all these local services. So while we're getting loans and bonds increasing every year to try and sustain this false economy that's supposedly on the up the whole time, while we're doing that, you see all these services are being undermined at the same time. So in the media, 
it grows. It's a slow burning process, but they work over time in these things. Like I think they've discovered how the human psyche works a long time ago. And when they put the system on us, they've been using it slowly but surely to kind of chisel away at what it is to be human, you know, and what you it is to be part of a family and all these kind of things, you know. You said they five or six times there within a sentence. Yeah, well, they, they would be the, the boys in Brussels who are basically the lads in Brussels, the unelected leaders that are there they have an awful hold over all these member state countries. And you know? are doing that to what end? To feather their well, own nest? Well, like or? when you look at the ECB, we, we're on massive loans. So what they've done after every collapse, basically, we have a big bailout that has to come along. So if we can pay back the bailout, which we can't, and none of the countries are expected to pay them back anyway, from what I can see. But if we accept the bailout, we have to pay back the loans we get to try and sustain our false economy at interest again. So the debt just gets deeper and deeper. So what we do then, if we can't afford to pay back these debts, governments in power will be asked, well, we'll take over your water, let's say, for instance. Like the Irish water thing was advised to our government to be enforced and put in by the IMF. So the IMF isn't elected by anybody here in this country, but they're working on behalf of a bigger picture. Like, uh, like I know you'd say, when I say they, at times... Uh, whatever topic I'm talking about, it would be the hierarchy in that structure there. So there is unelected officials in Brussels who do dictate, you know. And then the IMF, we had the trike over here, and they were telling us, basically, how we could better run our country. And one of their one of their suggestions was to basically go with this Irish war thing, and that they wanted a semi-public body, which was really just laying the grounds for an eventual privatised Irish water supply in a country where it rains the whole time and in a world where water will be the new gold in about 10, 20 years, you know. It's a very valuable commodity in this country. Probably could be our most valuable resource so many years down the line because we could be selling it off to all these countries which are drought-ridden, you know. Like, the likes of California is gone now. There's, there's nearly no water left in the place. But, um, but like, that's what I see them doing. I, I can see them, they're, they're undermining these services. And when we can't afford to pay back loans, we basically let them take over these public services. So what I see in my dystopian vision of the future is I see basically we'd be paying taxes for nothing other than just paying the interest off debt. And then we'd be paying extra for all these other services because we already pay massive fees for education. You already pay extra money for your health visits and all that stuff. You already pay for your train and your bus journeys and all these things. So all these things that were initially as part of a democratic republic meant to be funded by the tax monies of the people who are working hard in that country, they'll eventually be gone because we keep on getting loans and they'll be undermined as well because the media is all part of this big conglomerate, you know? Like I see every country as just different, they're different corporations within a big massive multinational corporation and every Taoiseach and leader of every country is just the CEO of that country and if Sinn Féin get into power it doesn't matter whether they get into power or not they basically have to uphold the agreements and the contracts that the previous government's done to them because it's all corporate at the end of the day you know it's all corporate so the Sinn Féin boys and girls I don't know they could be going cute about it because they know that Northern Ireland want to remain part of the EU so maybe this is their way of getting a full republic you know so maybe they're just they're just saying I don't know I'd love to think I'd love to think they're just saying that the EU is cool yeah we like the EU and all that stuff because to me it just seems hypocritical because you have no independence of thought or action or policy making or governing at all you know and what would make Sinn Féin any different than every other leader of a country if they were the leader of this country 
I don't think there's any difference. I think I think there's an element of I don't know, like I love I love the idea of it, you know, and there's some really good people involved in Sinn Fein and they're definitely gonna progress now with Jerry Gone, you know. They are because a lot of people just kinda of associate them with that the criminality they say that Jerry is associated with. So I think with Mary Luna and that and they they're very progressive in their thinking, you know, they tick a lot of boxes. I think a lot of people and, and like they have good people like Doherty and there's some great heads, Owen O'Brien and Matt Carty, local lad there. Like they're good. Good speakers, they're intelligent men. I seen Matt Carty challenge at T-tip, and there was no one else challenging it, which was very good. You know, he made a good argument of it. But I, I don't, I just don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone, no one's going to make any difference. Like, like we had no government here for what was it, three or four months, a few years ago, we had no government. Yeah. And like in America, there only three weeks ago, they had no government for like a week or two. No government, but everything still ran. Do you know what I mean? The buses still went, the schools still ran. Like, we don't need government. We need some kind of a central administrative body, but we don't need government. And government, by default, is the cause of all the woes in the world, as far as I'm concerned, you know? Like, even take the word apart, you know? There's all this word play, this word magic, like, govern it, government, it all derives from Latin. Like, mente is mind, and govern it is control, you know? So, mind control comes from the name government, you know? Like, there's so much, there's so much. I think we've been born into a massive deception, I really do. And I think that... I think that, like you said it before, I think the first time I've seen you advertising this podcast, like I'd never, I never go looking on pages, but when I come up in my newsfeed, I've seen a couple of your posts, you know? Yeah. But the first one, I thought, this is cool. I like the thoughts of this, you know, what you're saying there. Speaking about the domestication of our species, like, like you believe, you must believe yourself. You do believe yourself that we are being domesticated. We've been farmed in some way, shape or form. I, I don't think that we have been domesticated I think we've become domesticated the difference being I don't think there's anybody domesticating us right yeah I don't okay. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the terminology of they yeah as yeah. much as you have even already just just listening to you speak there yeah now. yeah um, but the the tagline of sorts for the podcast the name is obviously off the lead the idea being like you don't want to be like a dog on the lead being told where to go what to eat what to do yeah you have to have your own fucking autonomy so yeah and you can there's a good analogy there with it a dog that's off the lead like if you close your your eyes and think in your mind's eye of, of a dog off the lead it's not a dog lying down it's a mm. dog fucking jumping around yeah, or, you know, fly, you know, mentally, it's yeah. off the lead it's it's free yeah you know and yeah. I, I i i feel that we've all become we've lost our autonomy we've um We've become domesticated as opposed to somebody has domesticated us. forged into that, yeah. 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 So so this whole platform is is a way for me to push back against that. And it's not that I saw it in other people. I I saw it in other people first, admittedly. I saw saw other people as being domesticated and I I didn't have the introspection to see it in myself. But then the more I started talking about it, the more I started realizing that I'm as much part of the problem as, as kind of everybody else. Yeah. So that's the kind of the the premise of the platform uh, the logo the new logo that I'm making is the same logo with off the lead written across the top but instead of provoking conversations in the bottom it's going to be off the lead not just the podcast because I view this very much as a as a movement of sorts yeah so yeah. the tagline to go along with that logo is going to be as it stands at least provoking conversations and initiating change now provoking conversations kind of works both ways this is a provoking conversation yeah but it will also provoke conversations yeah yeah I like, I like where you're going with it yeah and the whole initiating change thing is what I want to kind of get back to now you've 
we've had a, a somewhat provoking conversation and ho- are hopefully provoking conversations. Mm. But in relation to initiating change, like what what can we do? Like, yeah, the put solution. It this I, I, the I, I'm doing this, okay. But what can other people do? Because not everybody's going to set up a podcast or have a platform. Not everyone's going to be as articulate as me or have the autonomy that I have. Because yeah. I don't have a boss that I'm afraid of pissing off. I have a, my own business. I have my own little thing going. And yeah. I'm, I'm a lot freer than other people, even from a timeline because of the nature of my business. Like I made a delivery this morning at four o'clock in the morning, which allows me to have this conversation with you during the middle of the day. Now, granted, you work shift work, so you're kind of off yeah. now. But for the most part... Appreciate that, Fran. I actually feel a little bit bad now, to be honest with you. How do you mean? That was an early start. Oh, no, I'm like seven days a week, four o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's it, every morning, yeah? Yeah, yeah, every day. Somebody. Every day. But I I try it for anybody listening. You know, Mm. if you've ever said the words that there's not enough, you don't have the time, stop saying that for a start and start saying there's not enough hours in the day. Because when you change from saying that there's not enough time to there's not enough hours in the day, you kind of say, well, maybe I didn't need that 11-hour kip last night. Or maybe I shouldn't have stayed up till 12 o'clock at night watching four or five hours of TV. You have the fucking time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And people with kids get that more than most. Oh, big time, You've what, four kids, is it? Four kids, yeah. You've probably heard people without kids saying that they do this, but they don't have the time. Oh, yeah, I don't understand that at all. (laughs) I don't understand it, you know. There's so much time. That's why I was... was I was envious of Ivor there when he was heading off to Prue that time because I wanted to join him, you know. And I was like, yes, we're going to do this. And I was like, no, can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming close to Christmas and all that. So, yeah, it's um, like it's it's brilliant. Like, you're doing your bit, you know. You're doing something. I'm, I'm lucky in a sense that I, that I can. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've tried. Like, I think anybody who gets into this kind of frame of mind you, you want you feel like you're obliged to try and do something you well, know it's incumbent on you if you've come to the realisation that something's know, wrong you have a reptilian government or <laughs> and I don't mean fit, like I mean you know, yeah. you know yeah. metaphorically speaking um, but if you think that the there's something rotten in the state of Denmark so yeah. it's incumbent on you to fucking do something about it absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I think people lack they lack a lot of courage and again that comes with domestication yeah you don't want your pet to you know fight back basically when you have the size of the garden that, that it has do you know yeah. that kind of way yeah so yeah that's a good analogy we're, yeah we're bred to be you know obedient and not to stick our head above the parapet and it starts at a very down. young age you know with all standing between the line and putting your hand up to speak and yes and asking for permission to go, go to, to the, the toilet, toilet and, and all, this all that jazz yeah, yeah all that jazz and like even the schools yeah like it's um yeah, it's, it's like wondering what to do. You know, I've seen so many people, I've been envious of people. Like, I, the most I've done was go to protests, and I've done it twice, and it was the most. I never felt as l- less sovereign in my entire life as the time I was standing outside the gates of Lancer House, and I just seen some stiff just pulling down the blinds, you know. There's a clatter of us outside. I can't remember what we were protesting about. I can't even remember what we were protesting about. But. I knew it wasn't for me. I knew this doesn't work, you know. It's been done for years and years and years. But then the Irish water thing came along and people were out in the streets and done something. So but was, that was a mass movement. It was that a was mass a, movement, yeah. You know, like, that, was a, that was a collective yeah. effort. Like I seen, um, I seen the emergence of direct democracy a few years ago and I really liked it because people were on about me to get into politics for a long time and I was like, I can't. It goes against everything I stand for because to me, government is the problem, you know. Every time they write a law, they create a crime as far as I'm concerned, you know. 
So they're creating crimes the whole time. They're creating them and then they're putting words on paper and putting their name after it and all of a sudden them words mean that everyone in the fucking nation is obliged to obey them because if we don't, we're going to be punished or penalised. You know, to me, it's just... It's the it's the perfect example of slavery, you know. That's that's what I see it as. Well, the, the laws are look. I, I'm not, I don't think that laws should be abolished. I think they have their their purpose, but it's the it's the threat that's behind them. Yeah, that's the kind of dangerous thing. It's that you know these are the rules, abide by them, and you know or else. Yeah, yeah, and like that's not right. You know, it isn't right. You know, you shouldn't be forced or coerced. And like when you take law apart, like entire minds. I work in tire mines, so that's another big hypocrisy of mine because I'm raping Mother Earth while I'm fighting to protect her, you know? But, like, it's a local job. My father worked there. It works for me, you know? It's, it's and it's there. Kids. And it's there. It's not going to stop, you know? So so I've got a job in there, and it is it is it it does pain me sometimes, you know, when I'm up there and I'm having my shower and I can hear the blast at the end of the shift. But there's good aspects to it, and one of the good aspects we have is that every summer they bring in students from wherever, whatever courses they're doing. And it's kind of some grant scheme through the government. They come in and they get paid really good money and they work for the three months in the summer. So every summer, I my job, I'm basically the van man, you know. But um, every every summer, we have a student comes in and he'd be with me for the summer for the two months or three months. And we'd be spinning around. So we've had historians, scientists, um, accountants, who else have we got? Fella doing movies in a movie college and the barrister. And the year we had the barrister, it was kind of timely because I was trying to look into law and the matrix of law and how law worked and what it was all based on and how you can challenge it. And and I was really interested in the fact that um, all law is derived from natural law. So natural law is the one law, realistically. There is only one law. And that comes into the civil civil arena as well. But natural law is basically to do no harm to anyone else. And outside of that, that's the only human law really there. And if you don't breach that law, you haven't really breached any law because the rest aren't really laws. It aren't law, so to speak. They're laws in inverted commas, like legislation, acts, statutes. You know, that's they're, they're words written on paper by a minister at some stage or another, signed by that minister. And then all of a sudden, that applies to every person in the country, you know. And if you don't obey the words written on that paper and whatever, whether it's a road traffic act or whatever it is. And I know these things work well and they stop people from speeding and all these things. So I'm not trying to completely say the whole thing is a sham, but it's just to try and highlight that law is derived from natural law and that everything else outside of that is kind of subverting the original context of it. It's kind of taken away from the fact that if we just all acknowledged and respected natural law, a lot of the laws that are written couldn't even be written because some of them are very infringing on people's rights, you know? Some of them are very, very um, dominating. So well, you look at the laws that we have in relation to drugs, for a yeah, start. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true, yeah. Yeah, because they are, like, like, uh, like, I think in America, like, the biggest amount of people in prison are drug dealers, you know? And the people are caught with small amounts in a lot of cases. But then you look at the Amer- American prison system, it's completely private, completely private. So it's a massive industry. And they're generating money. So it kind of, it's came to a state in that country where the war on drugs is creating massive traffic into these prisons, which is making massive money for certain people. So there's vested interest to keep this war on drugs happening, you know? So the war on drugs is probably the, it's up there 
the biggest um, industries in America. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even worldwide. Yeah. Because in order to put people in prison, you obviously need the prisons themselves, and that there's a whole back end industry there. All these guys have to be fed. You know, yeah. the plates have to be washed. The, the they have to be put there. They have to be caught by someone. So yeah, I mean, what percentage of your average cop in America's time is dedicated towards dealing with drug related? Yeah, a lot things, of us. Yeah, you know, kind of way. All, and even with when you look at the addiction, then a further step back. A lot of the crimes, it might be a burglary, which isn't a drug crime, say. But if you're mm. burgling someone's house to feed your drug habit, it is effectively a drug crime. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm with you on this, and I'm I'm with you on a, on. The, the majority of the things that you've said being perfectly honest with you yeah now there are elements that I wouldn't necessarily agree with you on but you know yeah. well, that's I, cool, I wouldn't yeah. get bogged down in any of that uh, at least not yet but I think it's good to, it's good to bang heads you know because I learn more from people who disagree with me than people who agree with me I really do you know and and it's and you constantly see things in a different light you know and I'd stand my ground if I'm steadfast in something and I really believe it but a lot of the stuff I could talk about it could be speculative as well. It's based on hypothesis a lot of the time, you know, because you're looking back in history and you're looking at certain things that happen. Like even when you look to like the, the war on drugs, you know, and you see the intertwining connections with the likes, the likes of Bill Clinton and that back in the day when they kind of announced this war on drugs. It was him and Reagan or something, wasn't it? Or Reagan more so, I think. Reagan yeah. more so, yeah. Trying to see now. So you get mixed up in stuff like that. I'd probably best not to talk about stuff like that. But I remember the, with the barrister in Tara Mines that time, trainee barrister. Like, I mentioned it to him about the natural law thing, you know? Mm. And he says that, it's interesting I said it, because they were given a, a hypothetical scenario. And they were kind of all pitching in to each other to try and figure out what way would you approach it in a courtroom. So the scenario was, you're in a car on your own, you have no seatbelt on, the guards pull you over, the law states you're meant to wear a seatbelt, but the person in the car says that they didn't want to wear it. There's no threat to any other life. There's no other passengers in the car. The only person's life that was a threat was their own life, and they were eager for not wearing it, but it was their choice not to wear it. There was no possible harm that could be caused to anybody else, and you've total autonomy over your own body. So okay. that was the argument in court, and they were asked how would they challenge it. How would they figure out a way around it to be able to penalise them and be able to punish the person, you know? So I see there, like, the universities and stuff, I think, like, there's a lot of real aspiring, intelligent young people coming through the universities. And I think I think they're, like, a, a breeding ground for ideas to be stolen a lot of the time. That's why I see it. It just dawned on me that about a year or two ago. And at that time when I was talking to, to the student I was working with at the time, but I was thinking that, like you could be putting up scenarios to young aspiring ambitious students and they want to be cleverer than the other students in the class and they want to get higher grades and they want to be seen by the lecturers being do you know what I mean having good ideas you know yeah. and good good approach and it's going to work them, work them in their favour going down the line but um, you have all these really really clever young people and they're coming up with um, ideas and ways to maybe navigate around natural law in order to be able to find ways and I think I think a lot of these uh I think a lot of these situations can be derived, a lot, a lot of angles and ideas can be basically stolen from students that are in schools, you know. They come up with some great ideas probably, you'd imagine. But I was just looking, I was just thinking of that particular scenario he painted to me. And it just I was thinking on a bigger scale, like you can go into anything, you know. Lecturers could be there, they could be limited enough, they're working on the same thing for years and they throw out ideas to people and... It's not all nefarious now. The kids have come up with some brilliant ideas. But you'd imagine that in universities and colleges, 
there's a lot of ideas there that people come up with that could like kind of set the stall for what's to come down the line, you know, new perspectives and things like that. So you've lost me there slightly now on what's been stolen. Yeah, well, like what I was what I was thinking with the brand with with that situation with the student. If someone come up with an idea, let's say, let's say the courts couldn't figure it away, someone had thrown that up in court, that argument. Right? I had no seatbelt on, but there was no threat in your life. There was I wasn't in breach of natural law, say. So they have to find a way to connect it to natural law because there had to be a threat to someone. But if there hasn't been a way found out in the courts how to do it, throw it out to all the colleges and see if any of these students come up with an answer, you know? Okay, That's what I was okay. thinking, you know? Oh, I, okay, now I'm with you. Yeah. Um, what do you feel, just in keeping with that specific example, what's your thoughts on that? Like, should you be allowed to drive down the road without your seatbelt? Oh, yeah. Like, if you wanted to be stupid enough to, to drive well, down the road without your seatbelt, you know? But, like, it's a choice you have because there's no threat to any other life. Well, there, there might be threat to any other life, but presumably the argument for it is that you're um, you're liable to need this, need emergency services or at least infinitely more likely to require the use of um, emergency yeah, services. Yeah, so you could put strain on the services. That's Th- that, That'd that be one thing. You so. got it. You got it. And you're not even in the college, Frank. So like, <laughs> you're out there getting it. Because I remember sitting there and I was saying, like, how would you go about it? And he was thinking about it and I was thinking about it. Says, no, it's a good argument, you know, from a natural law perspective because you're not harming anyone. But... You could, you could, you could say that it's going to put strain on the services, and then you're punishable for that alone, you know. But like it's, um, it's just it's, it's an interesting topic. Well, I love the I idea thought, of the natural law. I'm not familiar with that. That's that's a rabbit hole I must go down. Yeah, because he was saying at the time. See, there was there was um, natural law is the basis of all law. So it's basically you can't do any harm to anybody intentionally. You can't kill anybody, hit anybody over the head with a stick, rape, any of these things. If you intentionally cause harm to another human being, you've breached natural law. So if you basically apply that law across the board, the world would be would be a grand place, you know? And if you actually enforced it on those reasons alone. But, like, you have so many people clogging up the prison system and the judicial system for misdemeanors and maybe, maybe speeding fines and parking tickets unpaid and things like that you know oh, look that that system is set up I mean it, it, I don't think it's really debatable that system is set up to almost victimise the the weakest in our society because yeah. you, you get a fine that you can't pay so mm. you don't pay it Yeah. so they increase the fine yeah yeah <laughs> do you know that kind of way like they're actually do you know the way the, the queen who's the prince who's Harry marrying someone's marrying someone clear that. I'm out of that loop yeah entirely. well they're, they're, married, they're getting married anyway one of the boys it's either Harry or William William I think it is is getting married and they're getting somewhere married somewhere in England right but I, but I seen last week that like there's homeless people in that town I can't remember where the fuck it is there's homeless people in the town but they've officially created a law now and they said it's illegal to be homeless. To have sleeping bags on the streets and they're getting fines of a hundred hundred pounds <laughs> sterling, you know? So they're fining hun- homeless people a hundred pounds sterling, you know, not to sleep on the road in case it ruins the image of the royal family. It's just um and like and they're the biggest welfare sponges on the planet, you know. The royal family. Oh yeah, so they're living totally off the taxes of the people. It's shocking. Don't mind me, lad, I'm just gonna stick on a bit of heat in here. Yeah, no bother. I love your I love your little pod now, I have to say. It's really cool. The inverted commas studio. The studio, yeah. She's cool now. <laughs> ah, look, it does the job. And again, the, having the likes of this, not everybody has this. Yeah. Do you know what I know? Yeah. And I'm kind of lucky to have it in a sense because this is where my business kind of originally started, literally on the back lawn of my house. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully I outgrew that. 
and I have my my bigger facility down the road now. But it gives me the it gives me the space to do this because I obviously couldn't have this conversation with you inside with the young lad pulling out of me and course, yeah, herself yeah. making dinner or whatever yeah. else. Now you know he's in crash and she's in work, but typically people come in the evenings mm. so they would be at home so again not everyone has the means to do what I'm doing and I'm very grateful for what I have you know yeah but uh which kind of brings me back nicely to what I kind of half uh posited to you there earlier the second half of the slogan being initiating change yeah so I'm afraid of this conversation being very... Um, Talk about all the negatives behind yeah. no solutions, yeah. Yes. Now, that's the important thing because a lot of what's out there is offering no solutions, you know. It's just fucking mudslinging. But there is things, there's a lot of things. See, there's things I've attached over the years. There was like this big declaration 2013 or something, the one pe- people's public trust where these people are trying to figure out the system and they figured out that the whole law system is under UCC law, Uniform Commercial Code, and that they're after cracking the system and they're after rendering it derelict. So there was no laws, there was nothing that was upheld. And I remember getting sucked in because at the time I was still pretty naive, you know. I was getting so you went away or what was this? This is back uh, five years ago, six years ago, one people's public trust. And it was being sold as this, the saviour, the bastion of, of freedom from the system, the shackles of the system. And it basically was going to render... It was going to render all laws derelict. It was going to render the economic system derelict, and it was going to put like a million dollars into every one of our bank accounts. You know, and so, this was what, a proposed new party, or no? It was just a, it was a couple of people. I think it was a girl and two fellas, and they had studied extensively, and they challenged in the American courts the system, the UCC system, under them laws, uniform commercial code. But anyway, it was a misnomer. It didn't go anywhere. You know. But there's all these kind of things. That's as an example of things that can lead you astray. Like there's a guy there, um, Ken O'Keefe. Have you heard of Ken O'Keefe? Can't say I have, no. He's an ex-military man, but um, very passionate. Anti-Israel, anti-Israel. Um, he he kind of resonated with me a lot of things, but I think I think he's more anti-Jew than anti-Israel. You know, I think he's kind of nearly anti-Semitic. You know, so okay. I kind of I kind of keep away from him. You know, because I have no time for that. But um, he set up this. Thing two to three years ago, what was it called? I can't remember, but basically, it was based on the law as well. And they were basically saying that they could write a contract that every person could take and they could submit to their government that would basically free them from the system, right? They wouldn't have to pay taxes. So, a lot of these things seem to have the allure of money in them. So with the One People's Public Trust, yeah, when we do this, you're all going to officially get the money that is hidden from the by the government from you in your own personal state account. You know, all this kind of mad shit. But then it lures people in because people think money, you yeah, know. It's the, it's the carrot. Yeah, so. yeah. And then you had Ken O'Keefe and it turns out he went off, got all the, he got all the money. Can't remember the truth, people, power, truth, people, justice. I can't remember, but he ended up absconding out to some some foreign country to Seychelles or something like that with all the money that he got for for his his plan, you Lovely. know? So he still claims that he's going to do something with it. <laughs> Give him the benefit of doubt that he will, but the, he's... The money is just resting gone. Yeah, he's account, got a he's little young one now. She's about, she's about, I think she's 24, 25. Like, he's definitely in his 40s. An absolute beaut. He's out on a paradise island. He's got everyone's money. I don't think he's going anywhere, you know? Um, but there's been all them kind of things that come true. But there's something at the moment that is really, really interesting. It's a. It's called the in power movement. Before I go on to that, like realistically, realistically, 
we are the change. I know it's the old niche, it's the old cliche, and it's kind of, it wears thin, but we are the ones we've been waiting for. And as you were saying earlier, if you really don't want to support something, don't buy it. You know, know where you're buying. Like, like I don't buy anything from Nestle. I try to avoid it as much as possible. Sometimes you'll end up eating something, you'll see a tiny little Nestle sign on the back of it, you know, it's in a multi-pack or something. But, like, Nestle are really ravaging the lakes of California, stealing all the water, there's massive droughts there, and California's, California's been... California's been fucked up ever since everyone started smoking weed legally. I like I love the concept of them recognizing the importance of the cannabis plant. But it just seems weird. Ever since California legalized the weed, the place has gone to shit, you know, they're making loads of money. There's a massive economy growing off it. But like the, the place has gone to shit, you know. There's really a lot of bad things happening between big massive fires and stuff that I suppose has nothing to do with that. But like it, droughts, like people are are being limited to use only a certain amount of litres of water a day. While the likes of Nestle and fracking companies get to use hundreds of millions of litres a day, you know? And you think that the, the kind of the water crisis is due to cannabis being legalised? No, but it's just, no, I was just saying, I think it's so strange. It's so strange. Ever since they've all got the cannabis legalised and everything's rosy, everyone's stoned, you know, happy out, the sun <laughs> is shining. The place has gone to shit, you, you know, they're not even passing any... Fucking heed, you know. But so, do you think there's a correlation there? No, no, I actually don't. I was just. Okay, you just I, think no, it's funny. I don't think it's, it's, it's strange. Okay. I don't even know how did I venture onto that. What was I even talking about? Oh, I was talking about yeah, what we do, how we actually like. It, it, we are the ones we've been waiting for. How did I get onto California <laughs> and weed from that one? I, maybe it was the years of smoking weed. Maybe that done that to me. Um, but but like we we genuinely are, you know. And like we can all try and do our things. I joined Direct Democracy. I believed that this was an angle for us to get a transition place where we could get back to being. I I believe in. Uh, Anarchy, which is self-governance, really. It's self-rule, self-responsibility. People associate anarchy with anarchy, you know, with yeah, petrol bombing. Petrol bombing, all that. It's not, you know, it isn't. But, um, but I suppose I'm not any kind of ism. But if there was anything I'd be close to, it would be an anarchist, you know. But it's because I think that we should be able to self-govern, and I think with all the technology we have, like you can go onto Facebook and you can. You can like a post there immediately. One post can get a million likes in, in half an hour, you know. So if you have people directly interlinked on the database, like something that was involved in the state that was proposing ideals for certain localities and stuff, you could directly get involved in your democracy, you know. And because we have the old Article Reinstate 48, Article 48 in our original constitution had direct democracy in it. So it was basically that we rule ourselves but you could elect representatives come in and act on behalf of you. But if they weren't in the job, you just get rid of them. There was no party politics. There was nothing like that, you know. And because we initially had it in our initial constitution, there was an angle there to bring it up in an Irish sense and say maybe we could reinstate this Article 48. And then you kind of have a platform from which you can start coming back towards us governing ourselves a bit more. So that was one thing i done to try and make a change and I went round and I was handing out leaflets and I was getting involved in all sorts of stuff and it turned out there was people involved in it that I just I didn't really sit well with me for some reason you know like Ben Gillery's fantastic you know he's fantastic but um, he's doing some great things he really is doing some great things in the course for people but he can't win everyone's house back for them you know he can't be doing that but the, the groundwork there was for direct democracy for that like I've seen 
I remember a lad in Avenir, Johnny Morta, like he was looking after, he'd taken out water meters for people, you know? Like little things like that. Like you get stuck in and you do things like that. But you need a mass collective of people to be doing all these things together, you know, at the same time. And when you look at what's happened with Israel with the BD, the boycott and divest sanction movement against Israel, like it's basically what happened with South Africa years ago, you know? People are just refusing to buy products from Israel. And that's it, you're not violently fighting against them, you're just hitting them where it hurts, you know, in the money money side of things. And like you can make your statements with things like that. And you can make you can honestly make a stand without going out or even leaving your home. You can just by what you buy, like you were saying earlier, you can actually make statements by what you buy and what you spend your money on. But a lot of the time people just don't know what what's connected to what, you know. And me included. I'm sure I buy things now where it's, there's some terrible things going on in certain businesses and I wouldn't even know. That's the truth of it, you know. No, of course. Like you mentioned earlier about the idea of trying not to support Nestle if if, uh, if and when you can. But like I know Nestle and... Oh, you hardly know the other names of the companies. There's, there's something like four or five companies that own... 95% of all food companies oh, worldwide right. or something yeah, outrageous yeah. like that so yeah. Nestle own they might own five companies but each one of those five companies could own a hundred companies so Nestle mightn't be anywhere on the packaging but yeah. it could be a, a Nestle owned product oh yeah yeah and it doesn't you'd see in the back side the back part of it you just see uh, also owned by or you just see a Nestle emblem or something like that yeah and increasingly what you're seeing now is uh, produced for Aldi or produced for Tesco yeah so you're literally you know not told where it's fucking coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, another scam with the supermarkets is, I've heard Aldi say that they buy, I won't say Aldi, I've heard supermarkets say something along the lines of, you know, 90% of all our fruit and veg is bought in Ireland. Mm. But that doesn't stop them from buying it from an Irish company yeah. who's importing it. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a fucking con. Like, you know, like, you know yeah. 90% of our, of our fruit and veg is, is bought is Irish bought yeah but that includes their fucking pineapples and their and worse than their pineapples it includes their potatoes that were grown in Egypt ah uh, yeah that's because insane. they were bought by somewhere like the, the meat potato company which is a, a massive importer of fruit and veg yeah. and then sell sold in turn to the, the supermarkets it's insane I actually didn't know that them lips but sure is there's cons going on all the time really there know? is like there even is. with the organic foods you know organic food it can be listed as organic food if it has less than 38 chemicals sprayed in it or something but if it's more than 38 chemicals sprayed in it you can't list it as organic you know so still a lot of the organic produce you're getting it's still coming into contact with chemicals and fertilizers and all this kind of stuff so there's cons continuous cons you know going on the whole time like the like even the the fact that like in spain like they'll they'll import oranges from fucking italy even though they grow them in abundance in Spain, but it's just to kind of sustain the export-import industry, you know? It's things that just don't add up. Like, remember your man with the garlic and the mad tax on the garlic and he got jailed for it? Yeah, Begley, was that what his was name? What was the story with that, you know? Like, well, that was, that, was, no, that was kind of different. That was a guy who, who just, he just flat out broke the law. Now, again, I don't yeah. know the inner details of it, but my understanding of it is garlic, for example, has a, a massive, ta- a massive tax rate. Reason, yeah. So he brought a container of it in from somewhere and marked it as apples, knowingly trying to screw the state out of money. Yeah, now, yeah. You can say that it's a stupid law, but, you know, it, it's a law. There was a he law and it. he broke he it, yeah. He went to fucking jail. Yeah. Um, 
it's crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense these kind of taxes. And like the VAT as well. I think there's there's really no reason or rhyme to the VAT prices put and stuff. They just don't add up. When you I remember looking at them years ago, and they just don't seem to add up. They're just random, random VAT prices on everything. There doesn't seem to be any reasoning behind them. Like maybe this is. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's more toxic to the environment to grow this stuff or whatever it is, you know, but there doesn't seem to be any any kind of reason or rhyme behind kind the back prices. Logic behind logic, it. Logic, no, yeah, no. Yeah. No, just, it's, a, it's a blanket figure, isn't it? What is it, 23%? Yeah, yeah. For or, most things, and then I think, you know, kids' clothes might be at a reduction, at a reduced rate. I know there's none on food. Um, but yeah. look, it's, it's not like something it should know fluctuate, a lot about. you know. It should have to suit certain things, you know. But it's just across the board. Like the amount of money we pay in taxes, even when you look at your... Right, well, I know it, from working in a company, looking at your wages every week, the amount of money you pay in tax and stuff that's just being filtered off the whole time. It is by your piss, really, you know. No, right? absolutely. But look, one, one thing that we can do is become more aware of these things ourselves. Yeah. And... If you if you are aware, like you're aware of an awful lot of things that let's say I and a lot of people listening aren't, and it's getting that getting that message out across to people. And I was actually surprised you brought a newspaper. Yeah, yeah, it was the first newspaper I bought this year. Would you believe? Yeah, but we're only a wet week into this year. Yeah, I know. Like I, I haven't bought a newspaper in fucking ten years. Yeah, you know I, kinda, I was it, shocked when I. Do you know what a newspaper is like to me? It's like a puzzle. And I look at it every day like a puzzle. And some by the time the boys in work would say, what's your interpretation of that, Kogi? And I, for the crack, would go just off on a tangent, you know? But I'd see relative things the whole time. Like, there's so much... Like, I see the media... I see the media... Like, I read a thing years ago. It's it fascinating, but I can't verify the truth of it. It was a thing called uh, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Okay. I know the Wu-Tang Clan done an album years ago called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars and I was actually Googling the Wu-Tang Clan album and I came across this document that they say it was found in a car boot sale in America back in 1997 or 1998 and it's basically this big document documentation that was uh, at one of the Bilderberg meetings in 1930 or something like that and it went into how society could be formed and manipulated and it kind of equated it to how an airplane works and how they do shock tests on airplanes and how that's how they test the efficacy of an airplane and how it will fly and stuff. So it was really, really interesting. It was kind of mind-blowing, very far-fetched, but it kind of gave me a whole new perspective on things in that, in that what if everything is kind of a deception? And, like, if if you... The life we're living now, as you're saying, you believe that we've became domesticated, kind of a natural evolution, just kind of moving with the times. It was kind of something that we've done to ourselves, really, you know? And in, I can in understand. a sense, yeah. yeah. A- aided now by nefarious people, absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. question that for a second. Yeah, but, but we've definitely, we've we've sped it up ourselves. We've kind of embraced. We we have. That's, yeah. that's, that's the best way, I think, of looking at it. We've, yeah. we've embraced it. Yeah, it's, because... It's a lazy it, way out. Like, it does seem, like, it does seem like that. I can absolutely accept that, you know? But there does seem to be, there does seem to be, like, our... We're so disconnected from the self. Like, I, I hear... I still I only heard the hour I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of your chat with Ivor you know it was really interesting and he's delved into the mind he really has and like I think we kind of do need the assistance of some of these things you know like whether it's magic mushrooms or or ayahuasca or DMT or do Kembo treatment or something that thing when you lick the frog you know like I'd love to try that but it's meant to be a horrific experience you know you'll 
just you'll purge absolutely everything out of you sweat from the pores and every angle I think but you're meant to feel fantastic after it you know you're meant to feel fantastic but all of these things they kind of we kind of need to try and understand we need to try and understand that side of things but it's it's such a complex area you know and like our minds we only use what do we use like we we only train the left side of our brain in school we don't really train the right side of our brain we we only use like this five percent yeah i think that's more or less been debunked has it yeah that idea that we only use like a tiny percentage of our brain okay yeah use all our brain all the fucking time all of it's more or less flat out Always. The right side included, yeah? yeah both sides, yeah. The, the one is, it's not no good without the other because they actually, interestingly enough, they can work independently. And yeah, because they are independent, actually. Because when you take out a brain, well, they are, they they're are, two separate No, they are, they, are, they are connected. In they, some way, are they? Yeah, no, there is. Uh, the, is it the corpus callosum? Can no, I just write? forget, forget, forget. I said no, that no, no. But it's my interesting. My neurology isn't as up to date as it because used the to last be. time, because I, I, I was fascinated by that, and I, and I, and I thought, and I kind of was rolling with that since. So I'm interested now to see that it is connected because I thought there were two separate chambers, and like, because, because years ago I came across this, uh, like there was old teachings in school, trivium and quadrivium. Did you ever hear of them? It was like, it was like you have geography and art, you had all these different things, but trivium and quadrivium were taught up until the early 1900s in a lot of schools, late 1800s. And sorry, what was that? Trivium and quadrivium. So there are two there are two subjects that basically train the right side of your brain. Because everything we do is theoretical. Everything we do in maths and language and speech, all of that, it's all left brain thinking. But everything that's artistic or energetic or spiritual, it's all you're more or less using the right side of your brain more, you know? Like they say, like if you're to if you're to write with your two hands, like then you're using both sides of your brain. But if you're only to write with your left hand, you're more using your right brain. If you write with your right hand, your left brain is activated more. Right. So like, there's there's all these things now. Like, I've just brushed off that stuff as well, Fran. So I'm not. I'm definitely no expert in it. But I just thought it was mad interesting because, like, then you you relate. If it is a case where right brain thinkers will be more spiritual, I'm possibly more likely to be in touch with their inner self and be more connected to the universal thing that is life you know rather than being completely distracted by all the daily domesticated things that we have to do you know that's more of a left brain kind of way of thinking the world we live in is more of a left brain kind of thinking but the other side of it the more spiritual aspect of it is all relying on our right brain which we don't train in school you know we really don't well, the, the way otherwise from art or music or something like that the way i've heard the left right brain Explain the best way I've heard it explained, I think, is, is Jordan Peterson. You mentioned him there earlier, yeah, yeah. And he would say that the I, I'm going to get my left and right mixed up here, but one side, say, is look, looks after order, and the other side looks after chaos. The idea being that when I say order, it's your daily life, everything that's around you, and then the, <laughs> the kind of chaos things is is what you, you don't understand, say, it's um, yeah almost beyond your understanding and I'm butchering this so I'm, I'm no no but I can so 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 he so uh, yeah the right brain must be looking outwardly beyond your comprehension the left brain is what's log- making everything logical I, th- all... I, I think so and I think the two of them are su- are supposed to actually try and resolve yeah during your sleep right and that's okay. what your dreams are okay yeah uh, now again that's couldn't be any more rudimentary or, or basic yeah but still yeah because it, it like it makes sense you know it makes sense that they connect that they like I, I've no absolutely no question of a doubt that they they communicate with each other 
I, I just thought I actually thought that they were separate and that blew they, my they, mind you know no, they, they are to a degree they are but there are but there, there is are, connections there are, are kind of there, I don't know how many of them and I think it's the Corpus Colossum I'm not sure I think that's what they're called but they certainly are connected and the reason that I know that they're connected right, cool. is because in treatment for severe epilepsy they're yeah. often cut right so these connections between the left right brain are, uh, can be cut and that's it, where the hard wiring is going wrong and causing the fits yeah pretty yeah. much yeah, there, there's too much I think there's, there's almost like a flurry of there's a flurry of firings between neurons along these kind of highways connecting the left and right side of the brain yeah. to the extent that it overloads the brain and you have epilepsy, essentially, or right, epileptic yeah. fits. But the fucking mind-blowing thing here, fucking stra- buckle yourself in for this. Right, right? I'm, I'm steadying up. When they're cut, yeah. the left and the right brain... Still communicate. No. no, they don't... No, actually, but that's nearly the point. They're independently conscious. Holy shit. Yes. Let that fucking sink in over the next day or two. They're independently conscious. To the point whereby they'll try and sabotage each other. Holy. So if the left brain, for whatever reason, wants to do something and the right brain wants to do something else. Yeah. They will literally... Battle it out. Battle it out, yeah. And it's... Ah, I'm... I'm, It's just... It's been a while since I've been close to the information. It's really interesting that because even when I realised the two of them were kind of separate compartments... Yes. When I thought that they weren't joined, I was like, it's nearly telepathical in a way that they're actually communicating to each other because there is no joining, but there is joining. So well, that's well, where they, they do, they, that's they where they do to communicate. They are, they are joined by those, um, they're almost like cords as far as I know, yeah. which connect the two sides. But I think they could be connected at the at the brain stem as well. Yeah. So I tell you what, I'm going to say this to me listeners, I'm going to go back over that kind of... Um, reading that I've done and I'll do a solo podcast on it and I'll text you when I've done that because some of the stuff is just fucking mind blowing I'm, I'm too far away from it now and it's it's too it's too vague I'll only end up saying something yeah, kind of wrong yeah I forgot there that you've got listeners hello listeners how are you <laughs> sorry for all the mad stuff at the start there I'm going to clean it up now I'm going to clean it up oh no we've got some dirty territory to cover yes <laughs> oh, you're I not fucking coming. you're not fucking getting out of here before we talk about 9-11 moon oh. landings the JFK assassination <laughs> uh, what else do I want to talk to you about? Oh, aliens, so Roswell, um, any of those. The that aliens. You actually, you actually says earlier. He says uh, if we're around by lizard people, and I seen I put up a post there the last reptilian night. Government, reptilian government. Yeah. government, and I put up a post last night saying I was going to be doing this with you. And uh, a good pal, an old music friend of mine, uh, uh, the Nelatron, um, he came in and he says a uh, uh, big shout out to the to the reptilians, you know. But like, <laughs> there's there's so many things you get automatically associated with. If you, if you say you believe that there's engineering of the weather going on, or if you believe in fluoride, or if, like if you're a bit of a conspiracy head, so people connect you, you know. Anello connects me. Anello, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> David, David, like, like is um, he's a reptilian believer. He believes in all that stuff, you know. Okay, now, can you tell? If I know who David like is, but for the people who don't, can you just lay out who he is and what? Yeah, well, David, like, I'm not a mass. I wouldn't know loads about David. Like, the most I know about David, like, because I'd be very fond of Richie Allen has a podcast. He's a Wexford man. He's over in Manchester. And he basically does a weekly podcasts, three or four nights a week and a, a weekend. And he basically just brings on his ex-CAA heads, his ex-whistleblowers from the work in the American government. His parents, he had Vera Twomey in over what was the story, her trying to get the medical cannabis for 
for for Ava. So he has all different people on, but it's very interesting. And he used to work under the title of David Icke, and he'd do a bit of talking with David Icke, you know. And then when I first came acquainted, he was speaking some very astute things that were in Ike's books, you know, that had came true. And Ike wrote about them, like, in the 80s and the 70s. But I think he was an ex-football player turned presenter, like, in the Premiership or something like Who that. David Ike was? David Ike. And okay. then and then he'd done the flip and he'd started trying to find out about the world. And then he kept, he went on to an infamous... It was be shown, and I think I seen it there last year on um, Rootube. It was like telly's funniest moments and one of them was David Icke sitting on the chair beside Terry Wogan and telling people like that that the world is ran by villains and that there's paedophilia going on all over the place and that there's reptilians and all this kind of stuff you know and when you say reptilians you mean actual lizard people well he actually does mean that he yeah. means actual lizard people and and the thing that annoyed me about I, I got his book uh, Perception Deception I just thought it was astounding. Some of the things he, he went on about in the book, like it's, it's, he was on the ball and at the time he was being mocked, but it turns out a lot of it's after coming true. So I'm worrying now he's fucking right about the reptilians as well, you know? <laughs> but the thing that really annoys me about him is that he says so much stuff that's so on the ball and that has the capacity and he delivers it so well to make people really think maybe things are a bit different than I think they are. And then he goes on about the reptilians, you know? And people just go, that fed mad in the head. Like, he kind of kills it. But then again, believe nothing, consider everything, you know. Who am I to say that there is or there isn't, you know. But, like, there's there's something, actually, I was to say to you. I seen uh, you got your first official comment on one of the <laughs> YouTubes. Yeah. I did, yeah. I seen that. I was chatting to you about that. But, um, uh, the guy was saying that there's tunnels going from the Hill of Tower to Egypt. Girl, I think, yeah. Girl. It was a girl, was it? Yeah. Keen, I think her name was, yeah. Yeah, so like, I love the Hill of Tower. I love it. Like, I go up there regular enough, it's only about 25 minutes from me, and I bring the kids most of the time. But uh, I played a gig on Friday night, and I was talking to a few lads about it, and it just was in my head, and I said, you know, I'm going to go to the Hill of Tower tomorrow. So on the Saturday, the missus went with all the kids up to her mum's house, you know. So I had a free few hours and I was working night shift and I had to get a bit of sleep before I went to night shift but I said like over oh, to the Hill of Tara check out for these tunnels I might, might bring my shovel with me you know <laughs> see if I get an easy route into Egypt you know I've always wanted to see the pyramids but um, but I said I'll tip over there so I tipped over and when I get out of the car I seen there's a, there's a man there an old man who's always there he's there for years and years and years I can't remember his name I think it's Dinny or Danny or something like that but he's a poet as well he has some great poems you know he's a lovely lovely man but he's in touch with all this, uh, he reckons there's energy lines there, you know. And he brings people out and he says he can feel all these energies and stuff. Now, you're probably going to think I'm a crack now when I go with this. But I don't, I've never sensed any of that stuff. I can't meditate. I've tried to meditate. I can't clear my mind, you know. I can't clear me. I've never done ayahuasca or mushrooms or LSD or any of these things that really alter your consciousness, you know. And I'm going to someday. But I just can probably wait till the kids get a bit older so they can mind themselves in case I just go mental, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I'm going to put it off on the long finger, but I'd love to be able to meditate. But anyway, aside from that, I'm not, I feel very spiritual. I feel like I'm living in a state of amnesia. I think we all kind of are. And I think there's an inherent knowing we all have. That's what our life is. We're trying to rediscover that, you know? And then there's like, it's like we're experiencing life. It's like we're all parts. And people talk about God and stuff. Like it's not this dude in the sky but we're all parts of this bigger thing you know that can't be explained but there's a source to it all and like um anyway i I don't know it's it's hard to to explain it and define it all but there's an energy to the world and there is something 
there's something that we're kind of tapped off from. We're kind of kept away from. And when you like to look look at what happened in in Thailand with the big tidal wave that came in and tsunami, yeah. tsunami came in and blew the place out of it. Like a day or two before that, like all the animals, sorry, all the animals made their way up the mountains, you know. So we're supposed to be the superior being, you know. We have pineal gland, we have this right brain that really is inactive a lot of the time. It's not trained as much as it should be. But like we, we have a disconnectedness from the self somehow that I think might have happened naturally over the years, but I think it was known and it was it was suppressed. And I think us and the generation before and the generation before we don't know what it is because we've been tapped out of it, you know. And then you have these clairvoyants and these other people who I've never really believed. But I do often wonder about all these things. I've never sensed anything really strong myself, but I just feel in me that there's something spiritual, something more, you know. Well, well if I was to put a word on what you're talking about, I call it instinct. Yeah. Um, and it's it's basically, yeah, I can't put it better than that. That it's that it's instinct. It's it's the same thing that. Uh, uh, you know, a, a bear separated from its mother at birth, say, and and put into, just for hypothetically, put into a, a forest by itself. It would yeah. instinctively know to find a cave, basically, and hibernate in the fucking thing. Yeah. You know, you know this idea of, yeah, instinct, yeah. of just of knowing. We have that because we're animals. Yeah. And we've had to leave it behind us in order to become civilized. Yes, in order yes, to live yes, in That's... cities and towns and villages and not to be continually fucking each other over yeah so we've lost our our kind of our base nature as such yeah and and rightfully so but only to a degree and i think that is that idea that you know that there's there's something that you're missing and that there's something that you can't quite put your your handle handle on i'm become i'm beginning to think and it, only in the very re- relatively recent past speaking to ivor speaking to uh anthony murphy uh, going down a Jordan Peterson rabbit hole and a young rabbit hole and yeah. Alan Watts and Joseph Campbell and all these different people. Even Joe Rogan to a degree. He's opened me up to so many other things. And again, yeah. the internet is giving me access to all of these things. It's amazing. It really is, yeah. But um, So that would be my tuppence worth as to what you're, what you're referring to. Now, when it comes to line, you know, energy lines and things like that, and don't get me fucking started on clairvoyant yeah. fuckers <laughs> fucking and like pre- they're, they're preying, preying on, on the vulnerable people yeah, like that, that that are shit, in, yeah people who no are in despair for. you know yes, no despair, I've never yes. I've never really it's never floated me like I've never seen ghosts or had any experiences with afterlifes or any of this stuff I'd love to because then it'd give me something else to work with you know but I've never had anything like that so like these energy lines and these kind of things they don't really they don't really work I've never really experience them and all we are doing and what you're doing is you're giving platforms to different people to kind of express themselves from the experiences they've had and their perspective on the world they have so for me personally I haven't but I got out of the car and I, I said to your man he was feeding all the crows and I said oh, how are you I can't remember his name for God love my, mon- love my money well, I told him I was. I heard that there, there's tunnels. I heard there's tunnels going from here to Egypt. I says, <laughs> you, I, oh, since the YouTube comments. Since the YouTube, it was, like, it was Saturday just gone, you know. <laughs> I says, I heard there's tunnels, and he looked at me as if I was mad. I sure everyone thinks he's fully mad, you know. <laughs> so he looked at me and he said, and he says, no, 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 it's ley lines, it's ley lines. And I says, yeah, I heard about the ley lines before. And he says, yeah, the ley line goes through Newgrange and here and Stonehenge, and he, he, I think he said Machu Picchu or. And, 
the Giza pyramids and he was mentioning a few places and he says this ley line goes around the whole earth and it goes through all these ancient sites and if it does and if it is true it's pretty amazing that all these ancient civilizations knew to build these ancient sacred sites on this ley line if uh, it was, what is a ley line though? But it's, like, it's like an energy it's a natural energetic field basically so it's like like you know when you get a water diviner will go out and they'll they'll find where a well is, where water is. Yeah. I'm you not, get I'm people not, go out and they, they can do the same for ley lines, you know? Yeah, but that whole uh, water divining thing has been debunked as well. Really, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, especially like in, in Ireland. There's water everywhere, so Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. <laughs> if if yeah. you were able to go out and find somewhere where you dig a hole and you wouldn't you find water, down. that'd be that'd be the right job, like. Right, yeah. Yeah, water divining's bogus, like. That's a good one. Yeah. And it makes sense, or could be, because well, there's water everywhere. You, you tap out. into the water table. Yeah, yeah. That's, and what, it's that's what digging a well is, and it more or less. Yeah, it might be plus, deeper in some places, but it has to be everywhere. Plus, so. it, it's, mo- it's more or less everywhere. It's n- it's not everywhere, I don't think. But it's right, mo- Gary Crane, you're a liar. He's yeah. a water diviner, is he? <laughs> yeah, Gary. Gary does it. Well, he's just, you know, people say he's got the gift, you know? Like you he's see, in a family, that, a big family of people, but, but maybe he just, he's just, every every time he picks a spot, they'll find water and it doesn't matter where he goes, they'll probably find water. But you see, this is the thing. He can't guarantee that he'll find water. Yeah. He, his success rate will be the same as my success rate. Yeah. And I've no fucking gift. Okay, and I don't yeah. need a, a special shaped rod or stick or anything to just blindly walk out into a field and say, here lads, my success rate will be the same as his. I'm going to start advertising as a water definer. Go for, for it. For the crack. Go for it. Go out there and <laughs> find wells half of the time. And here's an interesting one on, on water diviners and people with you know gifts and, and the cure and that. We were talking about the natural law of things earlier on and so long as you're not harming anybody, yeah. you know, no yeah. big deal. And who's a water diviner harming? Exactly, yeah. But believing in things that aren't true and are demonstrably false, more to the point... That's harmful. Yeah, there's definitely that. But there's, there's actually, we're living in a time now, oh, that, that is harmful, you know, but we're living in a time now where a small group of people are deciding what's true and what's not true. So, like, if it's dem- demonstrably false, absolutely, you know, things like that should be just, should be shut down. But then you have the freedom of speech thing. But, like, if you have people is saying that they're going, to, they're speaking to de- dead ones, dead people, past people, and they're filling their hopes up. Or you have people saying that they have the cure for cancer, and they don't, you know, and someone's eating nettles for a couple of months and they die of cancer, you know. So things like that are 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 very misleading. And yeah, and very they're, harmful. They're, they're very harmful, you know. Yeah, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that water divining should be banned. Yeah, but even, I know what you mean, or yeah. Or even those fuckers who are telling you that they're talking to your mother or son or daughter or whoever is that's in the, the afterlife. I don't actually think that should be banned. Fundamentally, I'm opposed to banning things, full stop. Yeah, well, I'd be the same, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see what you're saying, though. Like, things like that. Like, like when you think about even talking about cancer there, like, there's a Cancer Act in England since 1937 or 1947. So, basically, if you... If you propose that you can cure cancer with something else other than what the medical system is throwing at you, you can be jailed, you know? So and proper order. Yeah, well that that's proper for prop- selling false hope like that. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But there's there's a there's there's a the whole spectrum that's opening up now with the cannabis, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of people are getting diagnosed with terminal cancer and they're still alive five years later just taking cannabis. Now they might be curing it, but they're suppressing it. It's not killing them, you know? But a doctor a doctor can't 
like I know people who've got cancer now and they've went with kind of alternative treatments as well as other stuff before the stuff isn't working and the doctors some of the doctors that are straight with them and say well, we can't advise that you know we can't advise that but if it's working for you keep going with it you know so like they can basically only advise the radium and the hormone treatment and the chemotherapy and everything that costs money there to but that sustains sh- the industry you know surely the doctors can say for argument's sake if they if they if they have gone down a you know a, a cannabis shaped rabbit hole and seen the research because there is the hard science is there it's it's yeah. it's being done and it's been done yeah. and there's a there's a guy in in Ireland James Linden of Greenlight Pharmaceuticals and he's put a massive push on yeah um and fair play to him I hope to get him on at some stage so he's actually a pharmaceutical company he owns a company yeah he's worked in the pharmaceutical industry for years he has had he has owned pharmaceutical companies and owns a new one called I think it's called Greenlight Pharmaceuticals. And that's he's, great. Yeah. He's so they're the type of people who really make a change. You see, oh, massively. So in the massively. world, that's what we need. You need these people in the high ranks of government, in the military, in the media. You need people with a backbone there, seeing what's going on. If they see things that aren't that are untoward, that aren't fair, that aren't just, that are deceptive in a way, like they're the ones that we really rely on to, for the change to happen. Because that's where it really, really, really happens. You know. But these people won't get the notoriety that they deserve and therefore the funding that they deserve and their voice won't be heard until people like you and me start having, not only having these conversations, but start fucking uploading them for the world to listen to. Yeah. You know, kind of way. And that's what I love about podcasting and it's it's the internet in general. It's it's not only our access to information, but our ability to disseminate that information to other people who for whatever reason aren't able to access it. Yeah. Maybe they don't know how to how to kind of validate a website's credibility. Do you know that kind of way? Maybe yeah. maybe they go on to you'll never believe this dot com and, and read everything as if it's fucking gospel. Yeah, or your newswire or something like that. Yeah. There's oh, some god awful platforms out there that are spreading pure they like use headlines, real controversial headlines to suck people in and then they get all the hits from the advertisements. So once the article is opened, when the people realise it's bullshit or not... It's been paid for. It's been paid for and they've made the money, you know. And you have all these rip-off merchants now, so it's the same as anything. Like, even I was saying earlier, people are getting excited with the One People's Public Trust because you might get money and they're excited with Ken O'Keefe because you might have to, might not have to pay taxes. Like, the Bitcoin thing is... It's a, it's it's been great to see it grow, you know. But it's been kind of... kind of saddened me at the same time to see all these people who get into it at the start because kind of the glue that holds the whole... The whole um, control over us is the economic system, you know? Like, we have to pay to live. We're the only species on the planet that has to literally pay to live, you know? So if you're not working and you're not earning, you're fucked, really, you know? So, so what was I, I was going to say something there. Like, I was talking about, um, yeah, the likes of the, the people thinking that money's going to... And then we go on to Bitcoin. Like, Bitcoin then started to really reap rewards for people who invested in it early, and then they suddenly forgot that the reason why they were so enchanted by it in the first place is because we take the centralized power from the banks. We start controlling our own currency, you know. It dictates itself. There's no, the regulations aren't there that the banks put on it. So you basically take the power from that power structure, which basically holds the glue together on the entire control structure, you know. And that's what was so exciting about Bitcoin. I was an eagle. I went to invest in it at the start when they're only like a couple of euro, a couple of dollars or something of kind, and and I couldn't figure it out. You know, I'm like a caveman on a computer. I just couldn't figure the bloody thing out. 
and I didn't do it, but I I probably have a couple of hundred thousand now at some stage. Before Christmas, they went up to ten or twenty thousand a coin. I'm or, not in on. A, I know what cryptocurrencies are, but I I don't know the. Oh, no, they're coming like, fast. They're, oh yeah, they're, they're coming. And, this year, I'd say, could be. This year, we could really see. You could see another collapse, you know, because even the stocks collapsed there, three four weeks ago. Massive dip. There was a big big scare in them. And, I just don't, I don't know. I watch what's happened with Saudi Arabia and Israel and Russia and they're all kind of getting together, China and that. It's as if they're kind of cozy up together because the, there's, there's trouble on the horizon for the petrodollar. And we could see a change over of, of ownership of of the, the global currency, basically. And I have a funny feeling it's going to be a cryptocurrency as well. I'd say it's going that way because everyone's kind of going cashless. There's some countries like Finland, I think, are completely cashless at this stage. They're not using cash. It's all smart. It's all cards, debit cards, credit cards, and like I don't know. I just it kind of it kind of annoyed me the Bitcoin because people just got the green eyed monster took over. You know, it was all about the money then. You know, I'd be able to buy a boat and I'd be able to buy a big car. And but the reason why we were going with Bitcoin is because it took the power from from the central banks and the Federal Reserve and that. But that hasn't changed, has it? Like, granted, some people have become extraordinarily wealthy if only for a, until the whole thing fucking collapses. Yeah. But what, I mean, what's wrong with that? Surely early adapters of new technology should be rewarded. And if there wasn't big rewards there, then there'd be no early oh, adapters. Oh, yeah. And they will. They'll be rich no matter what. But I think what's happened, Bitcoin, as it's designed, if we all went on a Bitcoin now, but you can't because it has a limit, as a threshold. There's only so many kinds that can be created, you know. But it was a great template for what we could do. But the problem with Bitcoin is that it seems... Like, they couldn't control it, and they still can't control it, but they, they've got into it somewhere. I'm saying day again, day. But they, <laughs> they, they, the financial fellas, the fellas who were running the money system as it was, it seems like, like they have people like George Soros and that. They use mass, mass geographical standing of people. They go into nations and change nations around by collapsing their banks or by funding like an insurgency on one side or the other like so they have ways of manipulating the course of events and even though bitcoin was a very safe currency and it couldn't really be destroyed the image of it can be manipulated and i'm seeing already in the papers like uh these criminal gangs have basically extorted loads of money from like children's charities and hospitals and they hacked into their systems and they uh, wanted ransoms in Bitcoin, things like that, you know. So the Bitcoin, it's been undermined, it's been played as maybe not the greatest thing, but still, in the last year, we've all started, you hear more about Bitcoin in the mainstream. There was silence about it for years, you know. But in the last 12 months, they've started to hear more about it. Last year, by summer last year, they were really pushing it, and everyone was starting to talk about it, you know. People were investing in it big time, and then she crashed down to something like 8,000 from 20,000, I think, about two weeks ago. It's been associated with criminal gains because it's unregulated, so I think what's going to happen is it's going to be undermined enough. People won't go with the Bitcoin and they'll probably, because people would tend to go toward the government line. They trust the government line, you know. They trust whoever is running the economic system now. Most, the majority of people will just go with whatever cryptocurrency they offer, you know, because you have your loan with us, you have your mortgage with us. This is the So it'll basically be identical. It'll just be digital, you know. And, like, God bless the fellow who wants to earn a bit of cash here and there or... I don't know what you do to the homeless man in the street because unless he has a smartphone, you won't be able to give him a penny, you know? You know, so 
I see the fine him as hundred euro for the Bill have fine him as hundred euro, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, the Bitcoin is very interesting, but it, it seems to be getting um undermined a lot, you know. The media is doing a good job now to make it seem like no, it's not great, it's not that great. But these cryptocurrencies are a good idea. So you said you say the media then again. Do you watch the news? Do you watch television? Do you listen um, to the radio? I would listen when I'm going on my travels, I'd off I'd always have a listen to, to news talk and stuff. This year now I started to um to go back because I spent years and years never listened to news never looked at the paper never had any interest unless I looked at Nuts magazine and Zoom <laughs> magazine and that, they were my that was my reading material you know and that was really it and I, I had no interest absolutely no interest I didn't see the point they're all they're all fuckers anyway I never liked the look of any of them never liked the sound of most of these politicians didn't interest me didn't interest me at all and then and then I, I started to take heed you know I actually started to to pay attention and I was listening to a lot of news and initially I would have been labelled as a lefty, you know. Like my sister, my older sister I would have talked at times there, um we'd have arguments, disagreements about stuff. But I remember she told me once, like only about eight years ago, nine years ago, she told me that I was a socialist, didn't even know what a socialist was. And she goes, No, you're more of a communist. And I was like, What the fuck is a communist? you know? Yeah. So I didn't know what any of these things were. I didn't have a clue of anything. And then I started looking into it all and I remember when I started getting Political, would that be the word, or getting worldly wise, or getting curious, I suppose, about the world? <clears throat> I would have actually allowed people to call me a lefty liberal, you know. But now I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't take anybody calling me that because the left has gone insane at the moment. You know, they just seem to have gone crackers. So I realise now the left-right paradigm is is a design. It's like the this and when we were saying about like the, the Orwell's thing, it's like this or this, you know. So you, you you're finding people are identifying. Like we're living in the age now. I think Peterson said it in that meeting where people aren't individual anymore. The individual is being dismantled, and everything is. Do you fall under this particular yeah, identity? identity. Politics. It's identity politics. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that we've gotten back to this. We've come kind of come full circle back around to the brain. That order chaos uh, yeah. dichotomy that I mentioned about the the, the split in the brain. That order chaos, that's left right, that's conservatism conservatism and progressiveness. Right. So yeah. the whichever side I can't now always get me left and right <coughs> my brain mixed up, but the order side is conservatism, is the right. And the left side, very broadly speaking, obviously, the left side is the the liberal or creative. Yeah, side. see it's funny because it's 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 as if everything we've been taught is the opposite to what it was. Like I'm fully convinced like nearly everything it's look at it now I, I consider everything could be the opposite and like even when you talk about that like left right brain left wing right wing mm. like you associate right wing with conservatism and you associate left wing with liberalism yeah. so you'd imagine your left brain is left wing and your right but it's the opposite your right brain is the liberal side and your left brain is conservative well, so that's a good way to remember it because it's like the opposite. So your left is meant to be your liberal. Well, I don't, I don't know if left is liberal and right is conservative in relation to the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. I'm not sure which one is order and which yeah. one is chaos. No, I'd say, I'd say the right would be the more uh, liberal side. Okay. Because that's meant to be the artistic, spiritual. Okay, well then, if, that's, if that's the case, then yeah. it would be. Yeah. And then the left one would be your more conservative. The left side of your brain would be the more conservative. And like, like I often wondered about, like I have uncles and that who were in school and here in Ireland years ago. And like if, if you're right... Like with the kids there, I noticed there recently if, you, if there was like an exercise, if you do it with them and they do a butterfly, but use both of their hands at the same time, they're using both sides of their brain equally. 
at the same time. So I was thinking there's this link between the left and the right brain, left hand, right brain, and right hand, left brain. And then when you go back 40, 50 years, and even sooner, more recent than that, in Irish schools, like if you wrote with your left hand, you got this shit bed out of you. You know, yeah, yeah. you were made right with your right hand. Yeah, absolutely. So like, like these type of things, like I could be clutching the straws here, but you wonder how much they understood the way the brain works. How much, like, like they were doing, you can imagine like when there was no regulations, like we live in a pretty civilised world now. Like while I give out about Europe, the EU I give out about, not Europe, when I give out about the EU and stuff like that, like, we're pretty lucky here in the West. Freedom to travel. We are fairly free, you know? We're well, we, pretty, have a, we have a pretty fucking good we're Pretty good, you know? There's no doubt about that. And, like, I'm not the ultimate pessimist in, in, in all that I say about that. Like, we're, we definitely have a pretty good. But there's um, there, there's there's so much more we can achieve, I think, as people, you know? If we just start to maybe, to maybe, I think I'm losing my train of thought again. I keep losing no, no, my train but I, I think you're right. We have to start talking about it. We have to become aware of these things. It has to be. Yeah. I put it this way. If you... Like, was there a catalyst that woke you up? Like you were saying, like there was a period in your life when it was all nuts and whatever the other yeah. magazine was. Well, I think I went, I went through a period before all of this interest in the world, where I didn't really understand. Like I had, I had a child, I had one kid at the time, but I was, I was kind of, um, I, I was led. As I said, I read Nuts magazine and Zoo magazines, you know, I love the ditties. And I was into all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> of course, football, as a young man. Like. Football, drinking, women. But, like, I wasn't. I, I had my partner at the time and we had a child. But I remember I spent a, a long time, not a long time, I spent a couple of years wondering, what was I at, you know? What yeah. am I at? Um, is is my purpose literally only to, to work and and raise my kids which is something I'm very happy to be doing working and raising my kids but outside of that do I just get a holiday two weeks every year and just settle for me Friday and Saturday's free and go maybe go for a meal or go on to piss most of us in the western world just go on to piss you know that's what we do certainly in Ireland anyway yeah in Ireland you like, like so we're just basically working and playing the whole time and we're not really getting stuck in tennis and like from the get go I started writing songs and playing playing the guitar when I was 16 or 17 and I'm still I'm actually worse at playing the guitar now but from from, <laughs> from day one I found it hard to play cover songs I couldn't get the rhythm right so I ended up kind of I went to the guitar lessons and teachers and that and I think because I played right handed but I am left handed could have been always the problem and I hadn't got the patience to switch over to me right hand me left hand and play left handed guitar but I always had a strumming issue as in I was out of time when I'd be playing cover songs and there was only a few I could play so I got pissed off in the end and Realized, so I realised I know the chords so I'll, I'll just write songs so I started writing songs and when I was writing songs I tended to verge on anal- analytical kind of lyrics you know analysing the world and asking questions that I'd never talk about among my friends at the time because we were just mad and having a crack so anything that was going on in my deepest consciousness I was kind of putting that into my music and I was writing songs just asking questions wondering what's going on you know and why is this and why is that and can we do something and Probably listens to too much Bob Marley and John Lennon as a kid. I don't know, but I joined the band I'm in now, <clears throat> and we are three piece. Uh, the Lo-Fi. We were we were three piece initially, and then Eamon joined us after about two three years. And Eamon was after listening to a couple of songs we recorded, and he was listening. We were standing outside um, rehearsals one night, and he goes, "I'm really liking. I I love what you're doing with the lyrics of them songs." He says. 
He says, you've probably seen, you must have seen Zeitgeist, did you? And I was like, never heard of Zeitgeist in my life. Didn't know what he was on about. He says, what's that? And he says, just check it out. It's a, a video on YouTube. So <coughs> I went and, <coughs> sorry, I went and had a look at Zeitgeist. And within an hour, I was blown away because, not because, like, there was a lot of stuff that I don't agree with Zeitgeist. I wouldn't be a Zeitgeist fan, as per se. But it was the first time I actually realised that some of the thoughts I had on the world weren't purely my own. Because I'd never really collaborated with anybody else where there's been an agreement of minds, you know. So I realised I felt great in that I wasn't that much of a weirdo. That there's other weirdos that think this kind of stuff as well, you know. That's what I was kind of thinking. So that kind of was a big opener for me because I realised there is something to look into here. So I started then trying to understand because we are so in debt and my kids are all going to be carrying the debt of our generation, not understanding what happened to us, you know. So I said, I want to understand how the system worked. And I started with the financial system. I started with the banks. And I couldn't believe, like, the the, the beginnings, the origins of is all based on back by gold and people eventually didn't come for the gold, they just came for the cash. And then after a while they realised, so nobody's going to come for the gold at all. So they could kind of say cash was there, it wasn't there. But they couldn't do that because if there was a rush on the bank, people would come and take the gold. So they had to cover their arses kind of so much. And then Reagan and Thatcher came along and they created this free market system and everyone thinks it was great because everything built so fast and we evolved so fast and all that stuff. But there was pros and cons to it, you know? And I think you fast forward into the crash of 2008, 2009 and I think that's where you see what it was penultimately leading to, you know? And we haven't fixed it, you know? Did you see the, the big short? I did actually, yeah. It's a great movie, like, you know? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was different. Yeah, and I like the, the kind of sad thing about that that got me at the end of it. It was funny as well, you know? Everyone's going around like they're in a fucking Enya movie, you know? And, <laughs> like, and your man knows, like, the whole thing is fucked, you know? The whole thing's after going belly up. And everyone's going around shopping and deliriously happy. But, um, like, at the end, it finishes up, like, they didn't stop doing what they were doing then. They just basically stepped it up a massive level. So where people who really hadn't got the occupational skills or the guaranteed 30 years of work to pay back their mortgages were getting these loans handed to them, thrown at them. That's been quashed. That can't happen as easily now. But now it's just stepped up on the national level. So let's say what was happening on a smaller level with all us, myself, yourself, or someone going in applying for a mortgage and then you apply for the mortgage and... The money doesn't really exist until you give them all your promises and show them all your income and outcomes and how decent of a person you are paying back bills. And then eventually, to get the permission, you know, you sign your name at the end. It's not even a contract, you know. It's not two signatures. Anyway. It's just your signature and your wife's signature, probably. And that's it. Then the money's created, you know. So out of thin air, that money just conjures up from your signature. You create that through that promissory note and then the bank flogs that promissory note on the stock market anyway and makes another couple of grand off it you know but then you have to pay back the money that they never had that you created in their account at interest over 30 years it's like it's a phenomenal setup it's very clever you know (laughs) and we're all delighted because everyone in Ireland like we all watch the Bull McCabe in the field you know we all want a bit of fucking land you know that's what we want in Germany and France and all these countries they don't they rent you know well it's a very Irish thing this it's idea very of owning thing, your yeah. own property yeah and like I believe because I believe there's there's intelligent nefarious activities behind all of these structures that ultimately enslave us I believe that they've seen it coming with Ireland and I believe that's why our hit was so much harder than all the other European countries that also were hit at the same time you know because it was a much bigger thing than any individual nation. It was the financial system by its design that done what it's been designed to do. Like it inflates everything that inflates eventually just 
pops, you know. And every time the bubble bursts, if it's every 20 years or whatever it was, we're the ones to pick up the bill, you know. The boys who are gambling with all the stuff, the big men, they don't. They all get they all get sorted out, you know. But we're the ones to pick up the bill. And then in the meantime, they've privatised national services and stuff like that at the same time. But looking at what happened in the big short, it's basically nations now. The nation of Ireland is going to these central banks and it can't afford to pay back the loan that it's looking for, but it's getting it anyway, you know? And we're getting it and we're getting it through bonds that we're creating that have no value really, you know? It's just all words and paper, a signature and a promise and Bob's your uncle. There's another 20 billion, 120 billion at ridiculous interest rates, you know? What do they call it? Indentured servitude, I think. Indentured servitude, yeah. The inability to pay back. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're essentially enslaving yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And like a mortgage, like that's another word. If That's a French, derived from French word, you know. What is it? De- like debt, payment. Debt, debt payment. Debt payment, yeah. Like payment till the <laughs> debt, you know. Like there's there's so much there's so much going on. It's very hard to put a finger on, on, on anything in particular. But the money system really does hold a lot of it together, you know. And we all have to pay to live, so... We really don't have the time to be taking on governments or going out and protesting on the streets. We have kids and families. We want to enjoy our free time when we have it, as in enjoying it with our loved ones, you know. So a lot of people don't really want the hassle of accepting that there might be something a bit dodgy with the whole setup and that maybe the people who have to do something about it is themselves, you know. But but that's the thing with the... It's it's a hard pill to swallow that you live a vacuous existence. Yeah, do you know that kind of way? For yeah, to, to come to the realization that you hate your job, you you know are working towards nothing other than paying back an insurmountable debt mm. of your own and of your nation and everything else. Like, oh, people don't want to talk about, or people don't want to think about it because it's. It's not nice, do you know, kind of way. No, like the, it's not, and you can understand. I can understand. P- people do. They just they don't want to entertain it, you know, because they've enough to deal with, you know. They have a lot of cases. People have enough to deal with. But there is promise out there, and I think that the conversations that I've been having with other people, and particularly this one with yourself, it will it'll make people maybe just that little bit more aware. Absolutely. And like, we're not going to solve fuck all here, and mm. no one is. No, but kind of every way? little bit. Yeah. Counts. See, and I've I've dedicated a, a solo podcast to exactly that point this idea of incremental improvements yeah you know being aware of something as the old cliche goes is the first step in in being aware of a problem is the first step in solving it Mm. so just having the conversation and for people listening to this to to either share it amongst their friends or take a screenshot of it and send it or share the link or just bring it up and work or i don't know like where have you where have you found a good source for the type of materials that you've been that you've been reading where have you found reliable or what would you encourage people to look oh, at or avoid or? yeah there was a lot of things through the years you know like because you don't have time to be researching everything yourself so you kind of you you find people who might be doing podcasts people who are bringing on guests and who have experience and experts talking about certain things so like it, there was a lot of crap you know, and it took me a long time to filter it out. And there's just, there's one man now that I only came across about two, three years ago. And he really, <clears throat> it's like every time I listen to him, it's like he's, he's, it's like he's speaking my thoughts at times, you know. And he's so, he's an old enough man from Australia, Max Egan. Max Egan. Can't say I've heard of him. I'd highly recommend anybody out there to have a listen to Max Egan. He's, um, like, he delves deep in, he's been, researching for 30 40 years he's a fantastic musician that's how i first came across him he's a guitar player you know unbelievable guitar player 
but he's um like he's he's fantastic and like you were saying earlier you pay what you support you know like i used to pay money to trokra and sightsavers and concern you know and i thought that was my bit that was one of them the little things you can do to make the world better and then i realized these organizations are insidious in a lot of cases yeah, and that they're actually causing more problems than 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 fixing them you know people view those those that type of donation i think as almost like the indulgences of bygone era you know you're, you're almost buying your way into heaven do yeah. that kind of way yeah. I, I, I might be a terrible person but I chuck Troker a couple of quid every month so you know leave me the fuck alone do that kind of way it's, yeah and I was one of those people I was one of those people I actually thought that this is my little well it's one of the little things I was doing but like we really have to apply ourselves you know like you have all these God loving people that are all Christian and like I, I used to be kind of like every liberal there watching what happened here at the church and that you kind of go anti-church you know you go anti-religion priests or paedophiles all this kind of stuff this generalization kind of stuff but but um but like there's there's some there's some sound values in that christianity you know there kind of is oh there, there absolutely is and i i'd be a a devout atheist and have been essentially as long back as i can remember but yeah and i've said this multiple times and i don't want to bore people but it, it's worth repeating at least once more Organized religions have bastardized the wisdom that they are supposed to be custodians yeah, of. Absolutely, yeah. That there is inherent truth in, you know, the messages that they that they that they that they spread. I suppose, but because they're institutions, because they're organizations, they essentially serve to or live to serve themselves. Yeah. Yeah. This idea of, you know, keep coming back next week and we'll drip feed you a little yeah, bit yeah. more nonsense and keep yeah. coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, all right. Like, they, they really, like, there's something, there's something, um, it's funny now because my, my youngest son said to me there a few weeks ago, we were driving in to collect the eldest lad from school and he asked me, he says, um, no, he says, he says, I don't believe in God, Dad. What age is this lad now? He's nine. He's very impressive now. He, he asks so many questions. You know, there's times he, he'd ask you, like, the que things you learn from your kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, why is the sky blue? Holy shit, I don't fucking wait. Like, wait, like, on Google and have a look, you know? But um, he was saying, he says, I don't believe in God, Dad. And I was like, um, what's that about? And um, I says, why? What makes you feel like that? What do, you, what do you believe in then? And he goes, well, it just doesn't seem, it seems silly. Like, there's not a man up in the clouds looking down on everyone. And I went... That's a fair point, you know what I mean? That's that's fairly well observed, you know. I says, but some people see God as not just a man in the clouds, he has basically the epitome of everything. But I says, No, and I, and he goes, But I believe in Jesus because like he was here and he done them things, you know, and there's stories about him and people seeing him, he says, So so I believe in Jesus, you know. And Jesus was pretty cool and I says, Jesus was a ledge man. I says he was a ledge, you know, because Jesus was pretty cool. You know what I mean? If if you live by the way of Christ, as they say he was yeah, he you can't go have, too wrong. He didn't have a bad message. No, he didn't have a bad message, you know. But like the other things there, I, I looked into the into the religion, the Bible, and all that stuff. Like they said, they, like the synagogue of Satan. He goes on about and the money man. He cast the money man away from the table and all this stuff. Like all these Christians out there, they love their money, you know, and they sit back and they're waiting for the return of Christ and all this stuff. Like honestly, if you really, really, really look at what the man stood for. He wants you to participate the fuck in what's going on. He doesn't want you to sit back and wait for him to arrive back, you know? Because if you do, and if he does, he'll tell you, well, you're going down there, you cunts, you know? Sorry, language. But like, <laughs> but like, but like, that's the thing, you know? People people sitting there, like, like there's like these new age movements and people sitting there and they think, if we just send out good 
energies and good vibes, like the world's going to change, you know? Like, I don't know. I think we have to get involved. We have to do something, whether it's doing this podcast or me. Like, I'm delighted to get this platform to speak to you today, Fran, because I talk some crap, you know? And a lot of it, I go on mad tangents and I go a bit extreme with some reviews, but, but like, I've done a lot of ranting and raving on Facebook through the years. But this is a great opportunity to kind of get it off my chest. I kind of steadied. I said this new year and I was going to stop buying the newspapers because when I bought the newspapers and when I looked at the news, that was what was kind of igniting me the whole time. And I go on a rant. I see this and I go on a rant and I go on a rant. And like since December now, I've gone through all my old Facebook. You know the way you can go back on this day? Yeah. Previous. I'm just, I'm clearing out everything. Everything i done. And I've had a look back at some of the things I wrote and like, I went through a phase where I was kind of angry with everyone, you know? And I was like, a, I don't know, like, a, a, as I was saying earlier, it's like we all live in a state of amnesia. We're constantly trying to know, but most of us go on like we are, we know it all. And I suppose from our own perspectives, we kind of do. From our own experience, all we know is what we actually know, you know? We can take all these stories we hear about everything else going on in the world, but all I know is, I suppose, whatever I've experienced, you know? So it's really interesting listening to Ivor, like, I'm going to have to go and go on a trip to Peru and try some of that ayahuasca shit. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd I wouldn't be it. surprised if Ivor organises a trip um, for as many people as he can get to go over there. I know yeah. I'd be queuing up to go. Yeah. Um, Even to do the Inca Trail and Machu Picchu and Oh, if nothing that. else, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. amazing, yeah. But the, the beauty of getting you on and people like you on and giving you this platform is they don't just, people don't just get the post. Mm. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. They, they get a good all-round... Uh, handle on you as such yeah, and yeah you might have said a couple of crazy things here but I might have maybe pulled you back a little and just kind yeah, of that's good, poked yeah. a little bit more and so somebody might be listening you might say something and someone listening might go this lad's fucking off the wall and then I might <laughs> dig a little deeper and you go oh, okay maybe he has a bit of a point and yeah. you, you didn't come in here saying that sitting me down and saying listen Fran this is how it is you've the, all the answers and I don't do that either Yeah, and I've, I think I've spoken about it on the, one of the solo podcasts this idea of credibility and to be very careful who you give, who you who you deem credible. Yeah, I'm not credible. You're not credible. Like we're, yeah, we're not we're not infallible. Say, do you know that kind of Absolutely, way? Absolutely. Yeah. So make up your own mind. Like yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I have the answers to to anything, and and I don't think you claim to. I know no. I certainly doesn't, and I don't think any of my previous guests have made the claim that they that they're right and and anybody else is wrong. Yeah, and there's there's. There's something very, there's something very useful in that, in just not taking anybody's word for anything, because yeah. that, that's that's where your autonomy comes from. Because if you're just sucking up everything that's been thrown at you, you're you're that domesticated animal again. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if you if you've no autonomy, if you're not making up your own thoughts, now put the it lack this of way: critical, critical thought is well, I'm it's, actually it's endemic at the moment. You I'm know, hoping to start a critical thinking course. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's I'm doing this. I'm thinking about doing this with another mate of mine. And I love your involvement and anybody listening. If 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 that if the idea of either attending a critical thinking course floats your boat, or maybe getting involved in giving it or creating it, mm. get in, get in touch with me. Uh, my email address is I'm off the lead at gmail dot com, or send me a a message on Facebook or or whatever. But the idea being that. <coughs> If I was to advertise it, I think the route that I'd go is I'd use clickbait and I'd use as many nefarious means as possible to basically con people into signing up to the course. Yeah. Because it would be a paid course. 
Right, so you yeah. con people to take the course, and then the, on the first day of the course, or the, the day that you sign up, or the day that you go in to, to learn your first lesson, I'll explain to you how I got you, how I how I conned you out of your money. Yeah, because you're automatically you're you're nearly you're nearly making it the fact that most people who end up signing up will be lacking in critical thought because the ones who would have critical thought would say this gun's conning us lads you won't go near this thing well, no, the, the, you're the, wondering there'll, you? there'll, be, there'll be utility in it for people who can see and who are listening to this because it's not as if this is something that I'm hiding do you know like yeah. I know I, so the first course will, or the first module or installment of the course will be explaining what clickbait is and explaining how you can say one in, thing yeah. and me another and like fuck it just it kills me I only saw it there a couple of weeks ago it was an ad on TV it was in between one of the young lads programs and I think it was for Vodafone and it was you know 50 fucking gig a month a terabyte speed it's only 25 quid a month for the first three months and it was fucking 75 quid a month thereafter for the next you know four and a half year contract that you signed signed up to and I saw that and I kind of laughed because I was there kind of saying to myself, like, the fucking... The it's so, the so, But it was so obvious to me. I was like, fucking cunts. And I whipped out the calculator and I, I added up what it would cost. So they were selling it as €25 Euro a month. But over the duration of the of the contract, I think it was 50 quid. No, it was more, it was nearly treble. It wasn't quite treble, but it was nearly treble what they were adding. So it was 60 quid a month, say. And then I started thinking to myself, hang on a second. I have 15 years sales and business development experience. So that's why I just cop that like that. Yeah. And now you don't need to have that to cop it. But Vodafone aren't fucking stupid. Th- th- whatever ad, that was a, a TV ad. So that didn't come cheap. They're not throwing money at TV ads for the crack. People are being conned into that. Mm. And there's a very predatory nature. There's something very predatory about that. Yeah. Like you're, you're taking advantage of people who don't have the critical thinking to see straight through your bullshit. Yeah. And you just see that everywhere two for the price of one and buy two get one free and yeah. all this like kind even of nonsense one of the students we had in one year was working in marketing and he was explaining to me how like even the music they have in supermarkets and different styles it's all part of this marketing process and it kicks in endorphins and it's it's amazing like they're, they're starting to advertise like apps and games towards kids now as well you know so you're talking about people naive like kids wouldn't have the ability to see through any of this stuff but if they have an app maybe with or they have a phone with some kind of a broadband or a monthly subscription or something like that. They could be, they they end up being drawn into the market already, and people are advertising to them. I think it was Paddy Power or something. There was a bit of uproar over a few weeks ago, start of the year. What they were advertising One towards fucking kids. To ki- towards kids, yeah, gambling games towards <laughs> a, kids. A, a long-term marketing play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Jesus Isn't it crazy though? Like, if you go through Ireland now, like. All of the rural areas, they're like really, they're kind of destitute. They're ghost towns now, a lot of them. But you very much through, so. You go through them like and like there's little shops gone, hardware places closed up, maybe woolen factories, whatever it is. But there'll still be three or four pubs and two betting shops, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and a Chinese takeaway. Yeah, and a Chinese takeaway. Like it's 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 crazy to see. It's crazy to see there how how rural Ireland has been attacked now with this last collapse, you know, and how they're kind of taken away from there's a lot of rural con- towns struggling you can see it like I love travelling when we go down the country we always go down the country every year somewhere or somewhere or other but rather than going to motorways we go through the towns you know and it's nice going through them it's a bit of a 
bit of a journey at times. But like you see, a lot of towns now are turning into ghost towns. They really are. Like Westmead and Leitrim and stuff like that. There's. But you don't even have to go that far. You've driven through Kells recently. My oh, Kells is bad. Yeah, what well, I was, like even. I was in Kells yesterday. I went out to Clonmelan yesterday. I'd never been in Clonmelan. It was actually a friend of mine is out to buying a house out there. Lovely spot out in Clonmelan. But the the further away you get from Dublin, say. Yeah. And all, and let's say Galway, because obviously you get further away from Galway when you start approaching other places. But no, you're right, and I couldn't agree with you more. And what you do see is the the betting shops, the pubs, yeah, and the the takeaways. And I remember there was actually a part in that in 1984 Orwell's book where he says, um. The people, I can't remember the exact quote now. I get things, I get things wrong. I say dates and everything near now. I could be, I could be three decades off at some of the dates I might give you on things, but, but I can remember something along the lines of like the people will be, they won't care about what's going on and they won't pay attention because they'd be too distracted by football, entertainment, and above all gambling. But I can remember it was part of the story, and it kind of. You're look. You're reading this book from back thirty years ago, and you're seeing so many relative things to the world we're actually living in today. You know, it's like a, it's like a blueprint at times for what we're living in. And back then, it was like futuristic, far fetched science fiction. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But we have the technology now. I don't know. Was it Jordan Peterson or who was it? I heard saying, um, maybe it wasn't. No. But like a lot of stuff there, you see things in movies through the years, you know, like futuristic movies, like space movies, and they have like laser guns or they have self-tying laces, like in Back to the Future. And like yeah, it's yeah, as if flying cars. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Maybe it wasn't Jordan. It was someone else was saying like that. A lot of ideas get put into people's minds, you know, by these movies. So then it's put into the mind, and then someone comes along and will actually make that. So it's like it's like we're imagining reality. Do you know what I mean? We're imagining it in advance via movies and stuff. This is what some fellow was hypothesizing. That know? makes perfect sense to me. And then, yeah, and then and then we come along and we actually create them things, you know? So so what we're seeing in the movies today mightn't be created yet, but the idea, the seed is planted in someone's mind and then eventually it's made, you know? And I think that's what we're doing doing here. Yeah. We could be just planting a seed, do you know that kind of way? Yeah. And the, the more... The more people that are creating these platforms, like starting podcasts or YouTube channels or whatever it is, and the more people that are listening to them and watching them, the more we're being influenced by ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. less by, you know, the they, as as you might call them, or, you know, <laughs> the, the powers that be or whatever they are, because yeah. they, 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 they do exist. Yeah, they do, they, yeah. They mightn't be as, as well, like tangible. Uh, you can't put a, a title on them, but... Oh, you can. You can put the title on the Warburgs, the Oppenheimers, the, the Rothschilds, the JP Morgans. Like, there's four or five families They have the tentacles and everything, and it's easily provable, you know? And, like, it, like it's... Uh, like, and they do, they have the monopoly, they have the control on so much... And you have people like they have little dogs that work for them, like like George Soros and that. Like George Soros is, he's he's funded the Black Lives Matter movement. He's openly admitted this, you know. He's he gets involved. He likes to change the geographical standing of countries, you know. He collapsed the banks in. Um, oh, where did he collapse the banks in there? Mongolia? No, somewhere more prominent than that. He funded one side of the Arab the Arab Spring in Egypt, you know. He funds his company Open Democracy or something like that. They fund millions to the Black Lives Matter movement in America. And he's funding the, the abortion debate here in Ireland at the moment as well. He's actually funding the repeal side. It's that company. But like he's been around since since World War Two. And like he was a Hungarian Jew and he basically was 
as a Hungarian Jew, he was, um, as a child, his father or his family were rich, you know, and I have to make sure I get this right now, because this is something to make sure I don't, this is, this is his own mouth, he's admitted to this in interviews and stuff like that, but he was basically his father, to make him safe from the Nazis, they brought him to, um, they brought him to stay with somebody, so someone took George under a wing as a kid, he, was, he wasn't that young now, he might have been 14, 15, 16, and like while he was with them, he was involved with the Nazis, and he had to pretend he wasn't a Jew, and he actually went around with them, taking all the goods off the Jews and sending them off to concentration camps, this was a Jew himself, who pretended yeah. he wasn't a Jew, to try and, obviously he was going to save his life, and he was a very lucky man, but when he speaks about it, he has no remorse, he doesn't have any feeling whatsoever, it had to be done, it was just something, he's a very, literal kind of person you know and he's very 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 rich very rich he, he sounds psychopathic oh yeah 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 you, you'll you find the interviews there if you look for it you'll see Soros doing his interview he'd done some channel back in the 90s or something like that like no remorse whatsoever you know absolutely none and like he's like the dog that comes in like you've heard of the Frankfurt F School of Political Correctness and that have you no I really have to go for a wee. But yeah, we'll, no, we'll, we'll take it up on that. Have to go for a wee. Yeah, yeah that's no, really like really, No, go for it. You know the toilet's on, man. Drinking too much water here, Frank. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. You're grand. No, I'm enjoying it myself, brother. I don't think I've hung myself completely yet. <laughs> <laughs> Mad bastard. <laughs> I think you'll all agree. Uh, bear with me now because this is the first time this has happened. And it's not a. It, I say, and we're live at the start this, to kind of denote the fact that a recording has started. And it is my intention to do the podcast live and the video recorded but Rogan who this podcast is essentially platformed on Joe Rogan's podcast it's called the Joe Rogan Experience I highly recommend that you look it up if you're not familiar with it but this podcast was inspired greatly by uh, Joe Rogan and it, it's essentially the same format and he is doing what I intend to do so when he records a podcast he video records it live so if what happened if what has just happened there now a guest or myself the host say needs to run to the bathroom Joe basically fills the dead air while they go he doesn't stop the recording because he has an audience who are actually engaged he'd, he could have 10 or 20 thousand people watching him live <clears throat> pardon me so bearing in mind that that's something that I'm aspiring to I may as well try and get the practice in for when this does happen and I am live so bear with me while I try and gather my thoughts but I hope you're enjoying the conversation that I'm having with Rory and I suppose it might be a perfect opportunity for me to put a, a, I suppose a plug in for the show itself if you're enjoying this conversation if, you're, if you've enjoyed other conversations if you've enjoyed the solo podcast that I've been doing then get involved tell a friend start the conversation yourself send me an email at imoffthelead at gmail.com write a review like it share it start the conversation keep the conversation going and let's fucking provoke some conversations and initiate some change I did it come on man <laughs> you filled the time I Great filled filler. the time I filled the time bit stressful starting to sweat but heart rate yeah up. and people get on it good. Fran is dead right it's it's great to get this platform and hear different opinions no matter how mad some of us may be <laughs> uh, uh, yeah but it's interesting you know people get into box sets and they get into movies and films and all these fictional 
paradigms, you know, but like like what's happening in this world in real time is, is massively interesting. Far more interesting. And it's trying to figure it out is like it's like this big jigsaw puzzle. And like it seems to be very nefarious a lot of the stuff that goes on in the higher level of things. And it seems like we are cannon fodder of some some way, shape or form. But it's it's very hard to define it to people and explain it to people and Maybe I have something I can offer that helps people maybe bridge some or connect some dots. I don't know. But if this is what you're doing. You're giving people a platform to maybe offer up their tuppence, you know, and what they think. Because we all have different perspectives. And our own life experience is kind of what gives us different outlooks and insights to things, you know. And that's all different for every single fucking person on the planet, you know, so... No, absolutely. And the people should get on to this, you know. You need to get a few more women in or there'll be a serious gender balance I had debate a, going I on. I had my first girl on yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. it's not up yet because oh, I did, I only put up uh, Anthony Murphy from Mythical Ireland. His second instalment yeah. was recorded Monday night. It went up yesterday and I recorded the first podcast with a girl, uh, Juliana Pena, uh, yesterday. So I just didn't want to put it up too close to Anthony. I want to spread them out a little. And the beauty of getting you in here today, hopefully Andy Ryan before the end of the week is out. And um, there's a couple of other people that I have yeah. there or thereabouts. So ideally I'd record maybe 10 in the next fortnight. That would be kind of ideal, which would give me a bit of breathing space because herself is due to drop a sprog now in the next oh, fortnight. Really, yeah. So between that... The best of luck with that, yeah. Cheers. But between that, the business, the... Uh, the conversations that I'm having with people, the commitment that I've Jesus, made to you're do. You're inundated at the moment. So. I, I am a bit. Hence the yeah. four o'clock starts. Do you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, it's it's great. And when you're when you're doing something, when you're when you're doing something you're passionate about, you know this. I mean, you must get a kick out of having these conversations, and even just maybe even coming here and, yeah. and getting your point across to maybe a slightly Absolutely, larger audience. Yeah. Like I've had the, the thing. It's maybe it's it's never an I told you so kind of thing because all of the things that I feel like I'd be discovering on me on me journeys of discovery trying to understand things, a lot of the things that are hard to swallow, I don't like being the bearer of bad news, you know, but these things, it's like, we're all like a light, you know, and there's so many dark little corners, and the only way you can expose them is to speak of them, and to talk of them, you know, and if you might be a little bit off the mark on how you interpret something, or misinterpret something, usually there's no smoke without fire, there's usually always some good reason to be in a particular area, but sometimes things can be exaggerated, and like some of the topics I might bring up there, it's as if sometimes they're exacerbated and they're exaggerated to, to try and discredit the fact that there is something to them. Do you know what I mean? That there is something to the likes of weather modification, you know? Like if you're going to look at the global warming thing, you really should be taking into account that they're spraying aerosols in the sky the whole time. Whether they are or they aren't, it's another debate, but they have been doing it for generations in different places like where they had the paddy fields to create rain if Russia is having a military day parade they'll seed the clouds and make sure that they don't have rain you know so they can do these things and like if you don't have to destabilise countries by going in with tanks and bombs and guns some of these lunatics will choose the more subtle option you know no absolutely and we saw that bore out in the last presidential election in the states where there was Basically, a social media campaign to promote one party over the other. Yeah, and like that's 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 mind control that's that's happening and is demonstrable and is yeah. is, is kind of going on and is there's nothing. It is it is conspiratorial, but people do conspire. Oh yeah, kind of way. And I, I wouldn't consider myself a conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, 
but people do conspire. That's just oh, the reality of the situation. And the downside, I, I feel, for the likes of David Icke, who, who rattles on about lizard people pulling yeah. strings and that, is he discredits people like you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, people, people go, oh, your, your man, Coogie, yeah, yeah, sure, he's fucking one of those David yeah. Icke guys, you know, and you, you can't, no matter, even if you told him the two and two, was equal to four yeah. they'd, they'd kind of go oh geez like, yeah. I'm starting to doubt that now if, if you believe that <laughs> maybe maybe it's not four yeah. you know oh like the level like it's it's cool for people to think you're mad you know but like when when you're talking about certain topics and you've got an informed angle to bring and someone's just shutting it down basically repeating the general official narrative you know like um it's it can be mind numbing sometimes. There's times I've got annoyed at people, you know, because there'd be something I'd be certain I know is fact. Now the whole story might, be, but I'd be saying, let's say, like fluoride is a neurotoxin. That's a fact. And someone's saying, oh, that's fucking crazy shit. Fluoride, so we need it for our teeth and all that stuff. No, but no, but it is. Well, you're fucking mad. You fucking didn't file head, you know. But <laughs> but like conspiracy theorists was a label created by the CA after John F. Kennedy was shot. Like they created that label, and that's another fact. So like. So what happened after that then is that every time anybody says anything that might be highlighting that there's nefarious activities going on or there's insidious actions being carried out by government in the shadows, you're automatically just... Once the label's conspiracy theorists is put on someone, it automatically discredits them in a lot of people's eyes. And they don't want to hear anymore. You know, you've got the label, you've got the tinfoil hat, you're mad forget about it so it was it was one of the greatest moves the CAA ever made like the CAA is a heinous organisation most alphabet institutions are from what I can see I wouldn't trust any of them but the FBI doesn't seem to be as bad but the CAA like they're involved in so much stuff like I was even watching a, a, a documentary on Sky Arts the other night Bob Marley documentary and it was actually a fantastic documentary because uh, some girl that he hung around with, she was taking pictures of him for a few years and she followed him around himself and Pete, Tosh and the Whalers and stuff. And she got a lot of footage where the lads are just sitting around like this, chatting, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'd be a big fan of Bob, but like just talking about like the cars broke down and he's saying, I think it might be the battery or it might be... They just have a normal conversation. They're talking about different things, but it was a great insight. It was a fantastic insight into into just the man's life you know but something led me to that saying the Bob Marley thing now there was a reason why I went to that oh yeah and there was a part in the documentary where they were flying they wanted to go they were even though he was uprising as a fantastic song singer then he was still being treated badly like he wasn't being when he went to certain countries to play they weren't putting him up in nice places or any of this stuff especially predominantly white countries, there was still like this kind of anti-black thing going on, you know? But she was saying that there was there was a bit of an unstable environment in Jamaica at the time. And just fleetingly in the conversation, the general consensus, she says, was that a lot of Jamaican people believed that the CAA were after coming in there and they were causing this destabilisation to try and get some kind of a change of leadership, you know? Which is what they do, you know? It's what they do, but like, like you look at the likes of what's happening with, like, even if you don't listen to the news, you hear all the crack about the Russians interfering in American democracy and all that stuff. You know, like, there's been no evidence, absolutely none whatsoever, anywhere that Russia was interfering. But there's evidence to show that the DNC 
have been interfered with and the votes are rigged there by the likes of Hillary Clinton to make sure Bernie Sanders didn't get the election, you know? That he wasn't put up against Trump. And if Bernie Sanders was put up against Trump, he would have won hands down. Absolutely hands down. I wouldn't be a big fan of Bernie myself, but but he would have won. There's no shadow of a doubt about it. Yeah, I don't think he's the hated character that Clinton is. Oh, not not a bit of it. No, there's not a bit of it. Clinton is... Like, people were saying that was... It was uh, chauvinistic and bigoted, and your all these 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 trigger wars now these days. It's like um, what did they say? Chauvinist, mass, misogynistic, misogynist, bigoted, homophobes. All these kind of particular labels now. If you're labelled with that, you don't have a say in anything, you know. But like there's um, the fact of the matter is Hillary Clinton. A lot of people know that she's very very evil woman you know? yeah. she's a very evil woman evil was the word that was yeah. in my head before and you said it she's done some yeah. terrible things you know whether it's Libya or Benghazi or the likes of the email scandals or what happened with the DNC like the woman should be in prison you know the, the fact that she's not in prison is insane you know it's insane like Just she's, to say nothing of her charity oh, the Clinton Foundation Clinton Foundation but like even look last week like there was the big story about Oxfam you know like we have here People went mental here at the start of the year because your man in McDonald's, some paedophile, was arranging to meet a lad that worked in McDonald's and now and he was arranging to meet some girls. That, and that I did see. Yeah, yeah, like that was that went fire. That went everywhere, you know. Yeah, even even I got to see that. What's your views on that? Now, not to go um, off on a different tangent, but well, it's it's kind of a, it can be all interrelated in some way, shape, or form. I'm here for connecting dots, you know. I just connect dots. If if they can't even be connected, I find an angle to connect them somehow, you know. But like. You look at people are so passionate about protecting kids, obviously. Yeah. We all have children and we love them. They're innocent and yeah. anything that can be done to them is is horrific. Yeah, it's innate in us or it's at least should be. It's innate in us, yeah, yeah, it's innate in us. So, so when you see that, it just horrifies you. This man was working in the kids in McDonald's and he was serving our children and all this stuff and it's horrific and what he was planning to do is horrific and he deserves to be hung, drawn and quartered, right? But there's this passion against child abuse, in every community, we all have a fear in our bones. It could be our next door neighbour. You don't let your kids out of your sight because, the, God forbid, there might be a paedophile around the corner that'll pick them up and throw them in a car, you know? So you live in this constant state of fear as a parent that you want to keep your kids protected. So when you see things like the McDonald's, man, people are up in arms and they're going crazy. And like these um, paedophile hunters, I kind of like what they're doing because the guards can't like in in England the guards are thanking them because the guards can't deal with what what's going on at the level of it over there. Like the guards over there say, eighty thousand IP addresses a day access child porn and download it, but they don't have the resources to deal with it. So the paedophile hunters are being welcomed there. In Ireland, they're being told to stop. And like on one hand, people are saying they shouldn't record it live. You know, they shouldn't record it live. But their argument is that they have all the evidence already and everybody that they've encountered have all got jailed because they have the evidence to prove that they tried to solicit sex with a... or to get get with a, a child, a minor. But um, but when you look at what happened last week with Oxfam, did you hear about Oxfam? No. no. Well, Oxfam basically... There's a big scandal now involving Oxfam where they said that there's a... They were meant to be procuring prostitutes. Someone who might have been underage. But a lot of people who were Sorry, volunteers... Who, who were? 
volunteers for Oxfam workers, Oxfam workers that were working over in Haiti specifically. Okay. So so they were doing this yeah, with but, the Oxfam badge on them, yeah, representing Oxfam. So. Yeah, okay. yeah. Now the the story is kind of it seems to be filtered a little bit in the mainstream that it was prostitutes, and they're not saying specifying whether they're underage prostitutes. But it turns out when you look at the statistics, like even in the UN, there were statistics released there only a few days ago. It seems like all this seems to be coming to the fore now where like 6,600 child rapes have happened by employees, by something like 3,000 different, 3,000 rapes or something, 6,000 um, different employees or something like that over a 10-year period. So these are UN Within workers. Within Oxford? No, this was UN workers. This okay, was a sorry, separate sorry. story. But the Oxfam story is basically following that they were procuring prostitutes. Some of them may have been underage. And what happened was some of them were meant to be, have been basically prosecuted in these countries under their country's laws for abusing children. And Oxfam done the church thing that the church did here. They basically just moved them off, shipped them off to another village. You know, Jesus they didn't Christ. get rid of them. They didn't do nothing like that. Now there's no vet and there's no nothing into these Oxfam institutions. But I'm going a very roundabout way to say this: we're very protective of our children. And when you hear about paedophilia, that's why the churches discuss, people are disgusted with it here. They just automatically tarnish all priests with the same brush. You know, which they aren't. You have to be fair to a lot of these priests. To be good men, a lot of them. But uh, it's the ultimate thing that really stirs the emotion in us. You know, and you look at Haiti and you see the Clinton Foundation and you see the millions and millions and millions that they got in donations for Haiti and you see that maybe two, four houses were built like the money was seen nowhere where the money went God only knows they don't know where the money went but there was no money invested in Haiti and it's worse there than it was before there's no, there's been no rebuilding of the place and there's a massive amount of, of, of children like going missing from the place you know like 8 million children a year die or disappear Annually, every year, 8 million children just vanish without a trace. 8 million? 8 million. What's the population of Haiti? No, 8 million over the globe. Okay, sorry. Over okay. the globe. But, like, Haiti is just one part of it. And, like, the conspir- conspiracy nutbags like myself would look around... Um, we'd look around at all these war-torn areas, like Syria and Libya and Afghanistan, and you look at... You look at what's happened in them countries, who's destabilised them countries, and now who's profiting from them countries. And then you look at these supposed charitable organisations, you know? Like, realistically, them men who joined the church and went on to rape loads of young boys and girls and stuff like that, they weren't holy men. They had no attachment to any faith. they just seen the church was this God almighty institution that nobody questioned. It had It trumped all others, really. It just had serious power. So this is, this is where we get access to vulnerable kids. Kids coming in and confessing, just telling us their problems and stuff like that. Orphan kids, you go to the, to the industrial schools and stuff like that. Kids that were caught robbing bags of coal down the docks or something like that, as Demo Dempsey sung about, and they end up in, in let or frack or something. They're getting abused by something. So these men, these types of people levitate to these positions where they have access to vulnerable kids. And once we keep on setting up institutions like that, like what the church was, and giving them this ultimate power to have unlimited, unvetted and unchecked access to vulnerable children, you're going to have all these sickos levitating to them positions, you know, because you, they know they have it. You are, but what's worse than the fact that it happened is that it was allowed to happen. Mm. Oh, and it yeah. was allowed to continue. Yeah. And, the you know, a, a, a priest that was in a particular vi- or, say, yeah, village in Ireland, say, or a small town, that was suspected of 
molesting children mm. was moved to another unsuspecting village. Yeah. And to another. And yeah. to another. Yeah. And to another. Because you keep abusing and keep abusing, yeah. Poor, innocent, young kids constantly, constantly getting destroyed, sir. Destroyed. No, absolutely. But and, and it looks like Oxfam were doing the same thing. Jesus Christ. They were doing the same thing, yeah. Like, it's, um, it's, there's, there's a very, there's a very, um, like, you see, I've came across, like, there's things I'd be afraid to speak about, but I'll, I'll venture into the menu, but I wouldn't know, I can't say it with, with certainty. But when you follow all these leads, and you hear victims of abuse, survivors of abuse, you know, adults now who've come out and they're telling their stories and stuff like that, like, some of the things that have gone on, you know, like, there's this uh, Franklin credit union scandal in America back in the 80s or the 70s where this senator, he actually sang, he sang for the president a couple of times. What was his name? Jesus Christ, his name is real. There was someone that was really, there's a guy in RT now. Um, there's a presenter, a news presenter on RT now. He's really old. But anyway, he has the same name as this guy from years ago. Okay. And he um, he was head of this, chairman of this credit union. And he was really in with the Democratic Party, I think. And he was at all these, he, he sang the national anthem for the president and for big baseball games and stuff like that. So he was well up there. But it turns out he was a child abuser. He was a child abuser. But this Franklin Credit Union in America, where the hell was it in America? There was a massive child ring, child abusing ring going on, paedophile ring going on at the time. And he was majorly involved in it. And he ended up subsequently getting jailed for doing things to kids and stuff like that. But when you look at these connections, wherever you go to power and hierarchy, there's so much of that world lying in the background. And it's actually not lying in the background, it's up at the forefront. And it's like, I can't, I could never understand, I've, I came across it all through the years, every time I go down certain rabbit holes, whether it was the media or the banking institutions or Hollywood or whatever it was, you kept on hitting these scandals and stories of kids being abused, like Corey Feldman out of the Goonies and and your man out of Beavers and Butthead came out there last week remember the blondie fella not Keanu Reeves the other dude right he came out he was on one of the shows and he was saying because of the whole Harvey Weinstein thing and uh, people are coming out and they're able to talk about stuff now that he felt he was able to talk but back then he wasn't but he was saying that there was massive massive grouping of twisted fuckers in the Hollywood movie circles you know and the kids were being exploited within that you know so there's there, there's so much and like I couldn't understand it I couldn't get my head around it. Like, why? What? How do these people get into these positions? And then you see that they're probably easily compromised. So you have a man who has a penchant for little kids, and you get him with a little kid and get a picture of him. Well, if he's going to be a president of a country, or if he's going to be a secretary, treasury, office, or something like that, he's compromisable by his habits, you know, his personal habits. And if they have evidence of him... He probably do and say anything they could do, you know. Like I heard a man years ago, an old um, lord of house, uh, Tim Fortescue. Tim Fortescue, like it's the recording is live. You can get it there if you want it now. Where he spoke about how Parliament worked, you know, and that he was part of the whip system, and they try and clean up scandals and messes that were happening for any kind of MP or anything like that. 
and he was just basically talking candidly on a BBC documentary about how they did their job, and he was saying basically if if um if there was any problem with drugs or prostitution or or even like some kind of scandal with little boys or anything like that, he says we'd we'd sweep it under the carpet, you know, and we'd get it covered up. And he says, and then that would be brownie points for us later on when we want to get something. So this is what goes on, you know, this is what goes on. And that's why these people, I'd, I'd always think, like, where does Obama appear from? Where do these people just, you don't hear about them. And the next minute they're there, and they're like the leaders of the free world. And you're like, where the hell is this fella? I know people were saying he was from Kenya and he was from all these different places, but there's so much, there's so much going on. And it seems to me like it's all a theatre, you know? It's all like a play acting out. And we're all so enchanted by it all. And I kind of fed into it for years there by shining the light on politics so much and I think I think I was actually playing into the hands of of the deception you know because we're all so involved now because Trump and Brexit and all these things you know so people are really involved in politics and we probably need to step away from politics well, that, that's exactly what I what I think I've done yeah I've, I, I've, I only said it to Anthony uh, on the uh, podcast the other night we got talking about this idea of politics I actually mentioned that uh, the point that we were talking about was people say that the two things that you shouldn't talk about are religion and politics. And my point was that they're the only two things worth talking talk about. about. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, what, what we believe in and how we run our society. Yeah. And he kind of disagreed with me yeah. because there was a bit of a cross wire. He said, oh, look, he has just no interest in, in politics. And what he thought I meant was party politics. And I, I don't have any interest in all that. And that's why I've just completely ignored it. I admitted to him, I couldn't have told you. He told me that Fine Gael were in power with someone else. I couldn't have even told you who was in power. That's how little yeah. involvement I have in politics. Right, in yeah, well, that's healthy. It's healthy as well, you know. But and the party I, political side of things, yeah. Just, yeah. I completely ignore it. I completely ignore the papers. I completely ignore the news. I completely ignore television, radio. I completely ignore all of that because yeah. that's just all fucking bullshit. The mm. whole lot of it, all of it. Yeah. It, without exception, it's all nonsense, and it's a distraction from these kind of conversations yeah yeah that I'm having with you and that I'm having with everybody else and until you get an understanding of the world that you live in outside of what's in the fucking papers because that's just it just distracts you from the core elements of, of what's going on around you do you know what yeah. kind of way it's it's um yeah, it's, it's, it's a distraction, it's essentially. It's disconnect, nearly. It very nearly much is. so, very much so. And the deeper you go into that, the more, you know, political you think you are, yeah. the less political you are. Like, yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's yeah. people who consider themselves political and people who love politics, and including politicians, and they don't know the difference between the, light, the right and the left. They don't yeah. know what conservatism is, essentially, and what liberalism is, and it's, it's uh, evolutionary uh, reason for being there in the first place. Yeah. You know, and if you don't understand it... If, like if you don't understand the dynamic between being left leaning or right leaning, if you can't articulate what the left and what the right is, you've no fucking business commenting on politics. Least alone being a fucking politician. Yeah. And I'd love to poll politicians to see how many of them ah, have a them. fucking notion. A lot of them having a clue. I like, imagine most thing. of them, all of them having a clue. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised now. Like there's like years ago, were politicians not like people like me or you? who decided we want to do some good for our country and community, and you get involved for a few years, and then you just go back to your job. See, but now they're career politicians. They're all career fucking politicians, and they're getting they're getting 
like pensions out of it and all this crazy shit, you know? I think that you've hit the nail on the head and I've mentioned that myself yeah. um, on the podcast, on the record, this idea of a career politician, that's that's what's wrong with politics generally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're going into it there like it's it's a, a job for life. You're well, meant that, to that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and that's why I was interested at direct, direct democracy before because you go in, you make a few promises, the people like them, they give you a vote. You follow through on them or you get the fuck out. It's like that. That's kind of the way it is. And I know it's easier said than done, especially when you're living in the EU and you have diktats above your government itself, kind of infringing on your ability to enforce policies that you might want to enforce. But but like it, it was just something that kind of appealed to me because these career politicians are a big problem. They're a massive problem. Of course, you know? they're, 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 their first and practically only remit is getting re-elected. Yeah, yeah. Because that, do, that's what they do. Their job, like, if you're a career politician, your job is to get re-elected. Yeah. Everything else is kind of, you know, secondary. I saw it working in sales. Your job was to hit your target. Mm. You could come in late. You could leave early. You could, you know, sexually harass the fucking receptionist for all anyone cared. So long as you were hitting your fucking target, yeah. no one gave a fuck. Yeah, yeah. And politics is the same. As long as you're getting re-elected, thumbs up all around. Yeah. No, that's pretty sad. It's terrible. It's a quagmire, you know. There's no, there's no. It can't progress anywhere. And like the sad thing about Ireland is like, what do we have as an alternative? Like all we've ever had is the right. It's conservative. Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil. Since the inception of the state, that's all we've had. There's been no other party, so we've well, never really had a left, you know. I, I actually said, and the left we have now is shit. Well, I posed that exact same question to Anthony there the other day. Not that he's overtly political, but he mentioned Labour being the leftist of the parties, I suppose. And, and they would be, you know, even it's in the name Labour and that they're, you know, pro-unions and pro-the workers. So they'd be the leftist of the lot or the, social, the most socialist of the lot, would they? Yeah. Again, oh, well, no, I, I'm not into it, well, that's so I don't what know. They, that's, that's the label they fell under, but they destroyed that over the last... With their amalgamation with Fine Gael there, they just... There's no way they can still stand under that banner, you know? You know, like Joan Burton, big smiley head in her heart, cutting a ribbon on a soup shop you know as if it's the best achievement she's had like what a gobshite you know like it's it's like the twilight zone it's like the twilight zone and then we have the likes of Paul Murphy who's like a Bolshevik cultural Marxist lover you know and then you have Ruth Coppinger who's just a tyrant you know she's like one of these dare I say feminazis you know she's like there like like that's why I said earlier like, did you ever hear of the school of Frankfurt School of Political Correctness no like, we, we got we distracted check, there could, what is that should check that place out because like it's it's the influence it's had on the world we live in today because like you think personally that we've we there has been nefarious elements behind what's driven us to where we are today but we've embraced a lot of it and I agree with you on that because we have you know but there's been the influence I think has been more it's been more forceful than we'd like to imagine, but it's just because it's been dragged out over such a long period of time through generations, it's very hard to notice it's these things. It's not as obvious. It's very hard, you know, but I, that's why the, the times we're living in now, opportunities are vastly, they're abundant, you know, because we're seeing all of the shit for what it is. And as we're seeing that, every time we see it, like, that's why we are here having this conversation. Like, you felt the need to do this. Like, eight years ago, you mightn't have felt the need, or most people wouldn't. But we're starting to see, and there does seem to be this mass awakening. But it's all, like, I think it started the early 1900s, like, after World War One. I. I can't remember the name of some Frank or some Marx fella. And they, in Frankfurt, they started to have a think tank. So, basically, they wanted to um, try and propel cultural Marxism. 
cultural Marxism and they wanted to try and force the ideals, right? So they felt like they were being ruled by a bourgeoisie kind of ruling class. And they thought, as the left, they create this paradigm where they have an alternative. And they try and force, like, what was it? Cultural terrorism. That's that's a quotation. Sorry, from cultural... Cultural terrorism. Okay. So basically they'd undermine Western values, all Western values, and they'd undermine the family, they'd undermine... Um, the, the the Western economy and stuff like that was one thing, but they undermined Facts the undermined family and science and stuff like that. Yeah, so they were they were coming from an angle where basically their way or no way, and their left leaning ideologies seem in hindsight they seem more right leaning than anything. But they were to try and propel the rights, gay rights, the um, to try and muddy the waters between male and female, that there isn't actually a natural sex, it's a cultural creation, you know? That there isn't really man and woman, you yeah, know? Yeah, there's no bio- biological differences yeah, between Yeah, sexes. so like these things were meted out and they were spoken about and they were discussed in this Frankfurt school way back in 1930s or 40s, maybe it was. And then something happened there, the Nazis came in World War Two, and they had to move from there and they went over to America and they ended up setting up base somewhere in America can't remember whereabouts in America. And from there on forth, they started to infect America with this cultural Marxist ideologies. And basically, they were to undermine the family unit. Do you know what I mean? To to basically raise gay rights, raise the feminist movement, all of these movements that came along that ultimately, great that gay people get the rights and get acknowledged because they should be. There's, everyone's entitled to love who they want to love. You know, there's no question or doubt about that. But like you have, you have that, School of political correctness, that's what they call it, the school of political correctness. And now we're living in the time that Jordan B. Peterson feels the need to be standing up against this political correctness because he can see it and that it's actually skewing our progressive, our ability to progress as natural beings, men and women, and being able to disagree with each other and the right to be offended. All these things, we're entitled to these rights. I'm entitled to disagree with you here we won't we'll bang heads and things and we won't fully agree on things and we'll disagree on things that's a right we're all fully entitled to have and it's a very important right to retain but this frankfurt school its ultimate aim was to extinguish that and like saul saul alinsky if i remember correctly he was a lecturer in that school and he like hillary clinton and Obama were disciples of his like they loved him they absolutely loved him so all of his teachings if you look up saul alinsky you see his teachings, you look at reference from Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, they'll, they'll, they'll make reference to Saul, how he was so influential in the way they taught, you know. So then you fast forward now to this insanity we're in now where you're not even allowed to use gender pronouns, like he or she, or, do you know what I mean? That if you want to identify as a man today, you can identify as a man. Like, did I see right some, some bloke identified as a woman and he went in and he joined an MMA tournament and he kicked the living shit out of all yeah, the women. I've heard, I've heard uh, Rogan speak about him or her. Or yeah. <laughs> like like the, the, the murky like, waters of Like all the pervs will just say, yeah, I'm a woman. I'm going to go into the girl's bathroom, you know, so I can see a load of ditties. I'd try that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd try that one. But like, you're leaving, like it's, it's um like this this skewing of reality, and I've we've kids growing up. We don't want them to be confused about things that there's no need to be confused about. Yeah, there'll be there's enough to be confused about without being exactly. confused about things like yeah. that. Yeah, so like if you look into your jocks and you've got a penis, you're a man, and if you don't, you're a woman. 
And then whatever you think after that is a psychological thing. It's not a biological thing, you know. You're biologically male or female. End of story. But now in like so the biggest universities like Yale and Oxford, like, they're starting to knock people down if they use he or she in a thesis, you know. You kind of asked there earlier on like where the leaders of all these countries coming from. And the leaders of America are coming from these schools, the Ivy yeah. League schools, which is being oh, affected yeah. by this far left ideology, I suppose. Yeah. And, like, it's taken over now. And, like, the left is meant to be liberal. It's meant to be understanding, you know. But it's it's not, really. And, like, when you see all these agendas being pushed out, it's not the trans community pushing them. And it's not the homosexual community. It's not the LGBT community pushing them. It's just... it's I don't know who's pushing them. It's, it's people who claim to represent those yeah and I mean, it's, it's this idea it's this identity politics again it's yeah it's I, i'm a gay man and i think this shouldn't happen and as a gay man i speak for the lgbt community yeah no, you fucking don't no no Do you know what I mean? exactly yeah. not all gay people are the fucking same so you don't speak for shit other yeah. than yourself yourself exactly yeah and that's what we have now we have these people with agendas and then and then there's industries growing from these movements so with the industries growing from them it's it's in their best vested interest to make sure that they kind of steamroll this madness into even further yeah, di- diversity Insanity. training and all that yeah, kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you followed the James Damore thing? No, what's that happening? Yeah, he loved that. Uh, James Damore was a guy, uh, a Google engineer. So he was he was working at Google as an engineer, working there for years, excelling as an employee, you know, top marks, getting his bonuses, got his promotions, the, the perfect employee. And you're a real yeah. stereotypical um kind of computer scientist semi-autistic kind of guy okay you know? yeah, yeah introverted kept to himself iq off the fucking charts and he as part of his job he had to undergo i think it was diversity training yeah whereby he was being taught this idea that you know men and women are kind of equal and there's no differences between the sexes and this kind of um the same kind of thing that you're, that yeah. you're speaking of there and they asked for feedback. And in typical Google engineer mode, he heard, you want feedback? Okay, I, I'll give you feedback. Most of us, right. with the social skills, when we hear, we want feedback from our employer, we know that that means, tell us how brilliant we are, and, you know, don't tell us what's wrong. Do you know that kind of way? But yeah. as a real analytical type guy, there's no nuance there. He just, he heard they wanted feedback, so he gave his feedback and he was very well versed in a lot of what Jordan Peterson talks about the psychological differences okay, between yeah. men and women yeah and wrote about this very scientifically very uh, concisely and basically raised his concerns and what he was saying was basically he was explaining he was given the scientific reasoning why there aren't more women in tech say and on top of that he gave a couple of examples of how they could change things yeah. to encourage more women in. So, not a sexist remotely, as is clear by his memo that he wrote. So he submitted the memo for feedback, heard nothing of it. Submitted submitted it to another group, an internal Google group, to get a bit of feedback because he didn't hear anything back from it originally. It bounced around internally with Google for a long time, and then someone leaked it and it went viral. And he was basically painted as this big sexist bigoted chauvinistic pig yeah yeah exactly and sacked for it yeah now, he is a big whopping lawsuit against google for it and that's still to kind of to Come play to fruition, out yeah. yeah exactly 
but um, he I think is the, the canary in the coal mine for this type of ideology that's yeah. apparently rapidly spreading through not only universities but um, organisations generally across the states and oh, it's, you know it's, yourself it happens insane. there and then it feeds out to the rest of us yeah yeah like one of the students I had in not last summer the summer before um, uh, he was a gay lad he was working with me and we great great summer with each other because he was into politics and he was into activism so we hit it off straight away so we were able to talk about other stuff he was really interested in, in like social issues you know um, but I brought up the whole con- con- concept of this whole fuddy-duddy in the lines between I was asking what it was like in school and he was saying like some of his friends so because they're activists I was thinking oh my bad after breaking my own rule ah yes fuck <laughs> hello apologies to everybody but, um, listening and yourself <laughs> he's somebody fan isn't he huh? <laughs> him years at and he's still at this crack <laughs> but um, he was telling me that there's some of his friends like he had let's say two friends a girl and a boy who were boyfriend and girlfriend and because she was so wrapped up in this whole new because it's in the universities where they're infecting these future minds of the world this is where they're infecting them you know and these unions that they have they're getting in with this political correctness and they're making them think, yeah, this is right. And then they have like, they have little calm rooms. They have like rooms where they go and they hug each other. and Safe spaces. Yeah. And like, there's people who are in colleges now, like in Yale, if you're going to study fucking criminal, criminal psychology, do you know what I mean? They're telling you before you have a lecture where they're going to show you like, uh, or, or maybe, what do they call them? Forensic detectives. People who are training to be forensic detectives. Now you might want to leave this class because there's going to be pictures of dead bodies and there's going to be pictures of and you mightn't be able to handle and it. You might be able to handle it. So if you think it's too tough, yeah, you and, can leave. Are you studying to be a state pathologist? Or yeah, something? like what the <laughs> hell, man? Like, it, like, and like, I know it's terrible to tarnish all these young people with the same brush. But I remember Martin telling me at the time, he says that this couple, like, she did not want to be viewed as a she, you know. And when anybody called her he or called her she, she says, "No, I'm, I'm a they, I'm a they." So she wanted to be referred to as a they out of respect for the point zero 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 one percent chance that there might be a transsexual in the room with the point zero 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 one percent chance that he might give a fuck, you know, <laughs> or she might give a fuck, you know, like it's it's insanity, it's insanity. But what it's doing is it's attacking our language and the way that we interact with each other and it's censoring us. We're censoring ourselves. They're trying to make us censor ourselves. So we're afraid to say anything God forbid it might offend somebody. But I think all of this madness, it's like, it's as if this has been worked on for years, as I'm conspiracy head. I think it's a big conspiracy behind everything, you know? And I think we've been led to a place where we'll penultimately end up like the Chinese, you know? Just little worker drones, you know? That just get up and do our work every day and we'll walk between the lines. And, and like, that's where it's kind of leading to. But while it gets to these last final stages, I think that, the opportunities are becoming so evident to all of us and it's an unbelievably important time to be alive. I honestly believe, that's why I went on my discovery and went on my ranting and raving for years, I really honestly believe we're the generation that's been gifted probably the only chance humanity has ever had of being completely free because... Could not agree with you more. It's definitely, like, we're living in that time and us 30-somethings, like the boys in their 20s and the teenagers, I know they, they want to have fun. I don't yeah, they're be, off kicking it. Yeah, like, I don't like want to... Yeah, and, and they should be, you know? But And then the people who are up over 40 and 50, they, they're probably busy and they're probably getting older and stuff like that. But us but they, men they don't have and the women, access to the internet that we do. No, and we have, we're somewhat savvy with it, you know? Yeah, big time, because we... And I've, this is something that's come up a couple of times. We 
both grew up without it and with it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So we, we had childhoods. Yeah. We had We sure did. We yeah. were the we were the last generation, like we're in our what our early thirty early to mid thirties. Yeah. So we're the last generation of people on this planet to have grown up with with an actual childhood the same that our, our species parents has did. enjoyed for yeah. you know hundreds if not thousands yeah, of years. Yeah. Generations generations literally. Yeah. Um and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree, absolutely, 100%. Like we're we're the start the end, of it. Like. Yeah, we are the start of it. And you the know? people listening, use cunts. Yeah, use, <laughs> use listening. You're a part of this as well, you know. Fucking lukely, like yeah. if you, I know you like to drink, I know we're Irish, and it's, it's it's good to have the crack, you know. But when you're in the pub, don't be afraid to bring up an odd topic of might people, make people a little bit uncomfortable, but don't go doing a coogie on them. <laughs> Just don't go doing a coogie on them now. But like you can subtly plant seeds in people's heads and... That's what we're saying. Like this time we're living in now, there's so many opportunities to point out that things are being run by the wrong people, you know. And like everywhere you go, like I've seen, I know so many people from working and gigging and playing sports and having kids who are involved in all these things. And they've travelled around. I haven't travelled the world. I can't wait to travel the world. First place would be Peru in a tent with ayahuasca. With me and Ivor. <laughs> yeah, with yourself and Ivor. That'd be brilliant. Jesus, we had some conversation, then. but like, um we have a chance to do something about it, you know? So we really should apply ourselves and we should we should try and participate and try and get involved because it is really us. We're the ones we've been waiting for. And, like, I personally see only a short window. I think the opportunities are there now, but I think the window is being closed with this whole attack on fake news, you know? Like, most of the people who are dealing with the fake news are the, the news channels who are sending out journalists to become the adjudicators on what's fake news or not you know and they and like the people from cnn and that they peddle such propaganda it's unbelievable you know it's unbelievable but it's going to be those ones who are going to decide what's true and what's not so if, in the meantime you have platforms like what you're doing here now fran and you're getting some people talking about things but you can see down the line that all this stuff will be shut down if it's not basically toned the official narrative the official line censorship is steamrolling our way and the big problem is that we've all been corralled into like Facebook, Twitter, Google, Amazon, and they're the main platforms online. Like the internet is a vast thing. People can still set up their own websites and do their own thing, but we've been corralled into these different platforms and now they're starting to regulate them. You know, they're starting to regulate them. They're starting to censor out any material that might be like anti Israel, you know? Like I've I have a serious bone of contention with Israel and the way they behave and the Palestinians and where they're treated and and then the, the interlinkedness of that with America and the creations of ISIS and all these different things that have destabilized our whole Middle East area and like what we have now is we have an influx of refugees fleeing these war-torn countries none of them want to leave their countries you know nobody wants to leave their home they all liked it the Syrians loved Syria was a great place before we got involved you know so if we want to make things better we have to start recognising that there's a couple of tyrants that really like war and they need war and I'd love to just say to anybody who considers joining the army please don't join the army you know because that's that's the forefront of it and like you hear all these military men coming home and they're depressed and they're not getting looked after by the British government or the American government and they end up homeless on the streets and 
You get no... And the, the only substances that can fucking cure their PTSD are illegal. Yeah, yeah, and they're all ending up addicts, you know? Addicts, homeless, like... Addicts to the fucking opioid fields that they were out fighting to protect in Afghanistan. Yeah, and, like, that's what happened with that, you know? Afghanistan, like, the the whole opiate trade just went through the roof after we invaded Afghanistan. And the Americans were... Is it it 90% of where all the pharmaceutical grades... Yeah. No, yeah, it is. Medical grade heroin comes from basically the poppy fields in Afghanistan. Yeah, and like the, you can see, there's there's soldiers still manning them fields at the moment. You know, still to this day, like there's some there's some unbelievable atrocities carried out by the West. And like as we were saying earlier, America's only what a couple of hundred years old, yet every other country in the West is becoming Americanized. This country that was born of blood and genocide of the native peoples that had so much to offer spiritual understanding them native americans had you know like they had so much to offer and and the mad thing about the 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 indians is like that book i was telling you about bury my heart the wounded knee i haven't drank much as i as much as i used to since i read that book because they put up some fight they put up because they knew the planes you know and they understood the planes and even yeah they knew the lay of the land and even though they had any guns and everything they still were able to intercept them and cut them off and they were able to to resist what was happening so much. But they were de- decimated by disease more than anything, weren't they? Was it, disease. Was it 85, 90% of them were wiped out by colds and flus yeah. and, and Yeah, such. and then drink. When they introduced whiskey to them, they all end up killing each other, sure, nearly. You know, drink was a big part of it. Yeah. And you can look at our drink culture here. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, I know that guy, I'm looking forward to hearing Mythical Ireland guy. Like, I, I, I kind of touched off Michael Sarian a few years ago. Have you heard of Michael Sarian? No. He was an Irish guy, a Northern Irish guy, but... He delves into all mythological tales of Ireland, and not just Ireland, but um, he's a firm believer that we are one of the most ancient races on the planet, you know? And that lost city of Atlantis is somewhere between, he believes in Atlantis, that it's between Ireland and America, and, and the seas were lower, it existed, and that we are the descendants of that land, and all these kind of things. Like, there's so much, there's so much, so much you could delve into. Like, I'm thinking stuff here when I'm talking to you, and stuff is popping me up, and I think, oh, I have to talk about that, I have to talk about that. And then I'm just forgetting about them all. Well, listen, I, I'm conscious now of herself having rang me there because she knows that I'm out here and uh, her due to pop oh, and all Jeannie, the rest Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, where, what? What have we done? Have we done the three hours yet? We've done 3.15. Oh, we did Janie. And I, Brilliant. Can't, no, I can't help but feel that we've only scratched the surface. Yeah, like this. So if, if you've an appetite for this kind of shit, man, you're more than welcome back. Oh, I love waffling, you know, I love waffling. <laughs> so. But that's the thing, it's by no means waffle. Yeah, because it's it's not too often you get to talk about these things. Like I was around with a friend, as I was saying yesterday, in Clonmelon, an old friend of mine I played music with. He's originally from Ballymun, but he's living out in the most picturesque, beautiful part of the country you'd ever see, you know. It's some change for him, you know, from the big smoke out there with his wife and his child. But uh, we were chatting, and it was a good while since I'd had a really deep conversation with someone like I did yesterday, you know. And it was kind of a nice little prerequisite to what I was doing with you here today. I kind of broke them all a little bit so it's nice because you can't you can't be annoying people with this stuff the whole time but this is on a three hour podcast now I've touched off a lot of things there's so much more I could touch off but like people can follow up whatever they want you know I'm vaguely giving you what I've interpreted from a lot of these things dates and specifics could be wrong but there's nothing I would have said today that isn't founded in some kind of reality oh, that absolutely. we're living in today. The, yeah. the sentiment is there. And I would put yeah. it this way. And people can check out whatever they want, yeah. Put it this way, I wouldn't be inviting you back on if I thought that you were full of shite. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? To, yeah. to put, to yeah. put it plainly. So if you've been listening to this, I'm just going to repeat what I said basically when you went to the, went to the jacks earlier. If you've been listening to this, if this is resonating with you, if this, if, 
if you're maybe shaking your head in disbelief that you didn't realize that any of this was going on you know talk to a friend about it maybe share it maybe send it to someone specifically share it from your own facebook page or, or whatever do your bit get involved get talking that's if you haven't if this is all new to you if we're just singing off the same hymn sheet as you maybe fucking go one step further and maybe contact me maybe you want to come on maybe you think rory's full of shite maybe you think yeah, I'm, maybe yeah. you think i'm full of shite we don't want this podcast to become a, an echo chamber of people like-minded people just blowing smoke up each other's asses mm. it's it's supposed to provoke conversations it's supposed to be a bit adversarial at times and that's what's going to change things it's it's starting the debate at least and we're not looking to burn it all to the ground we're not looking to change everything in the next six months incremental steps bit by bit be part of your own fucking future yeah. and, and your knowledge is future. power and it knowledge is power. is power and it is i think you put it as best as it can be put we are who you've. We are who you've been waiting for. Yeah, and I don't mean me and fucking Kugi. I mean everyone listening. Yeah, every man, woman, and child listening to this. You're the person that you've been waiting. Yeah, for. Yeah, there's no point in depending on anybody else. You know, it's your life. It's it's here and now, and that's it. You know, you can do what you want. And I know you can't fix the world in the day, but you can at least start trying to understand it a bit better. You know, you no. can try and understand it a bit better. Absolutely. And, some things like this. I'm really looking forward to hearing the other podcasts now, friend, because I'm after getting a way to load them. That pod. Uh, Pado, um, Pado Magic. Yeah. That's getting them down. working well with me. It's getting them down fast, you know. Happy days. Well, listen, it should be on all podcast platforms. If any of you listening are aware of a platform that it's not on, I'm off the lead at gmail.com will get me. Let me know or send me a message on Facebook. And thanks for listening. And thank you for coming on, Rory. Thank and you, we'll, Fran. We'll chat again. Have you? Do you want to give out your Facebook page or email address or anything like that or not? Ah, well, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Rory Coogan, R-U-R-I, not my real spelling, that's my Facebook spelling, so R-U-R-I Coogan, Rory Coogan, C-O-G-A-N, if you want to hit me up there, but sure, um, all I'm just doing is chatting about things that are going on, I'm not going to tell you any more, you know, if there's anything there that kind of stirs your thoughts there at all, follow, follow it up yourself, because at the moment we are in the age of information, so ignorance kind of is a choice, so when you kind of touch off things there, you can... You can look yourself and find out yourself and tear it apart yourself. So, that's really it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rory Coogan. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you, friend. Cheers.